Hi, this is Ken Sagos, a.k.a. Ken K. from A Nightmare on Elm Street Part 3 and Part 4. And let me tell you what I do. You see, when I finish kicking Freddy's Krueger's ass all over Dreamland, I kick back and relax at Nightmare Jughead Podcast. your consciousness like a bad dream you can't wake from this is the nightmare junkhead podcast a horror podcast that has always had a very healthy respect for logging trucks fuck yeah my name is greg d and i'm genius mcgee and on today's episode we continue into the mouth of march madness as we welcome a few of our favorite frightening folks to help us break down the surviving horror classics from our 2003 bracket and whether you've gone on a road trip or not, you can listen into our show. Simply search for Nightmare Junkhead wherever podcasts are played. Hit subscribe, and when we drop our latest episode, we'll download directly to your listening device of choice. All up in your French road trip hole. Uh, and you can find us road tripping out on social media. Uh, we're on Twitter at Nightmare Junk, and on Facebook at Nightmare Junkhead. And it is on that book of face where we have an events tab, which leads to shenanigans and hillbilly shenanigans. And as this episode is going to be releasing on a Friday, March 24th, if you find yourself in the Kansas City area, head on over to screenland.com where they will have your hillbilly shenanigans taking care of indoors. I am virtually. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Hot damn. And in fact. If you do go over to Screenland.com, oh yes, you're going to see something new. Yes, yeah, something very cool and something very new. A facelift and a redesign, and amongst the th more user-friendly mm -hmm. ways to find all your favorite films, but we've got, number one, an awards program now. Yes, so for all you film families, get rewarded for being the said members. Darn right, uh, time to, and I, I believe that goes across drinks, snacks, all the good stuff, mm -hmm. but even better... They actually have a tab for a little old thing called Friday Night Frights. Exactly. So for all your scary shenanigans will be taken care of there. You can buy your tickets for the next Friday Night Fry, all that good stuff from the comfort of your home. Worship in the church. Indeed, indeed. And we're going to be worshiping on Friday, March 24th with our latest Friday Night Fright, a film that features ladies and lads in leather. And latex. <laughs> Lots of elves and lichens. It's shiny. Mm -hmm. uh, it's I have not seen it in quite some time. It is an honorable mention in this year's Into the Mouth of March Madness tournament. It is Len Wiseman's Underworld. Hell yeah, dude! Kate Beckinsale versus werewolves. The movie was dope. I'm excited. I haven't. I have not seen the original OG theater or the OG Underworld. I saw it in the theater, and then maybe about two years mm -hmm. later, when the next one was going to mm -hmm. come out. But I haven't seen it since, so I'm really looking forward to that. I am looking forward to that as well. And the, the, the one that launched a huge franchise. Mm -hmm. Now, looking forward to the next Friday Night's Fright. Uh, so it is going to be closing out the month of March, but it is kicking off a new series called Teenage Wasteland, mm -hmm. of which we are embracing our, our teenage angst. And uh, next Friday Night's Fright, Teenage Wasteland, it's only Teenage Wasteland. We have the 
the pinnacle of perverts himself, Brian De Palma, mm-hmm. a film that I believe we did as Friday Night Frights right when we came back from the pandemic. It's been a while, but 1976's Carrie. They're all going to laugh at you. They're all going to laugh at you. It's a tough one to watch. It it's, really is. It really is. But like, they're all going to laugh at you. Instantly, blah, 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 Adam Sandler, mm-hmm. Mom, I'm going to be a stand-up comedian. No, they're all going to laugh at you. To the point like it gives me a giggle now where I can't take Piper Laurie seriously. <laughs> and in fairness, Piper Laurie doesn't she, take Piper Laurie seriously in this movie. She turns it to 11. She thought she was in a comedy. She literally, this, that really was. So Thank you, Brian De Palma. Exactly. That's one of, the, one of the many genius facts you'll find when you come to Friday Night Frights. Now, of course, the uh, other repertory screenings that are happening on the weekend of the 24th, a film that I've only seen once. Mm -hmm. I don't know if I can watch it again because it's intense, but it is well worth seeking out if you have not seen it. Uh, Darren Arfnowski's Pie. Mm, Pie. (laughs) If only it was that kind of pie. If only you could tie Jewish mysticism mm-hmm. to uh, a good flaky treat. Kambala pie. Um, are you going to have, like, if you're going to do the pre-show, are you going to have any warrant songs on there? Dirty, rotten, filthy, stinking. <laughs> bow, now, now. Poor Janie Lane. I know he was a good artist, a great rocker, and I know he was so upset that that's what people remember of him. But no, at... It will be now. It will be now. Excellent. Uh, now, Don't another put a one. smile on your face 10 miles wide. Be thinking about baseball. Uh, another one that launched a franchise, given the resurgence of one Jennifer Coolidge, be a great time to check out Reese Witherspoon's Legally Blonde. Oh, that makes you want a hot dog real bad. Wow, I want a hot dog. Hey, you know, there's not a lot of difference between Jennifer Coolidge and Owen Wilson. Wow. I was just noticing that. I'm like, you're on the precipice, my friend. Hey, Owen, you want to go in a movie together? Yeah, hey, Jennifer. Wow, that'd be great. You know what else we could get? Hey, yeah, I know. Let's invite my friends Jason Statham and Ian McShane. Hello, love. I'd love to be in your movie. No, no, wait a minute, Jonathan. Jason, Jason. Hold on. Let's ask Mr. Wilson if there's parts for us. Mr. Wilson, do you believe that there's a part for us in your movie? Wow, I, I don't know. We can think about it, man. Continue. No, keep going. I, would, I grab my drink. I'm kicking back. I'm like, let us see where the Genius Theater takes us this week. And see. <laughs> and then, of course, also still playing is Scream 6. General Ortega. Which we'll get to. Uh, now, that being said, if you don't live in the Kansas City area and you'd like to support Screenland from afar, the easiest way to do that is become a member of their film family by going to patreon.com slash Screenland. But Genius... I am talking Patreon and Film Family. Hey, wow, pallies. Wow. Okay, that threw me off. When I'm expecting Bronson and I get Wilson? Whoa. That is some tonal whiplash. But uh, yes, we have our own little crazy crew that follow us on Patreon. And in fact, uh, on the 25th, that's Saturday, mm-hmm. regardless of your tier from the uh, Squidly Diddly, I've seen that another time. Another place. You're going to get access to our latest Shutter shout-out, mm-hmm. where we're going to be taking in, in this case, both Speak No Evil mm-hmm. and A Wounded Fawn. Yes. Both streaming on Shutter, but by joining our film family, you're going to have access to a customized pre-show, a video introduction by Genius and myself, vintage trailer reels, and 
the post-film discussion. And I got thoughts. We have a lot of thoughts on both of those films. <laughs> so if that sounds like something that would interest you, head on over to patreon.com slash nightmarejunkhead, where, and also, the biggest perk this time of year. The, the bracket! How are you going to play the game? They got to play the game early, genius. Yes, they did. And boy, oh boy, did they, we have some players in this one. Yeah, we do. Yeah, we do. So please continue to send in your uh, finished brackets. Now, as we go into the round of the Scream 16, we always like to expand, bring some people in, and I mentioned it once, I'm going to mention it again, if it wasn't for this podcast, I wouldn't have access or privy to a number yeah. of things, and I'm very appreciative of it. In fact, our next guest is very much a person, DNA is in the podcast, if you can say. Oh, if, if Screenland is cathedral, he is the Pope. <laughs> the High Priest? He, he's the, he's the, the high pri- He's the Pope of Screenland. The Pope of Screenland. Hey, it's a, the Pope. What are we going to do with all of the popcorn? <laughs> Not only is the, the the high Pope of Screenland, he is also the co-founder of the Panic Film Festival. Uh, please welcome back to Nightmare Junkhead and Into the Mouth of March Madness, Adam Roberts. Hey, here hey. I am. Uh, hey. You can call me Popcorn. The uh, Popcorn. The Popcorn. Hey, popcorn. My God. God, man, I, I don't know if you're plan if you're planning on fathering children, but my God, you've got dad humor already going uh, for you. I could, I could I could do some I could do some work on some dad jokes. So uh, yeah, uh, if I were the Pope, it would be the Pope Corn, though. Uh, that that is appropriate. That is appropriate. Uh, yeah, thanks for having me back. I'm excited about this. Uh, truth be told, I thought we we're gonna do a podcast about Panic Fest Day because I've been topsy turvy. I was. You I'm just, just coming back. Out, yeah, I'm just coming off of eight days of South by Southwest, and also we launched. Uh, our announcement for Panic Fest. So in it's been like motherfucking a, Fangoria. Congrats, yeah, dude. That's dope as shit. It's like a fuck. Uh, it's already the seventeenth of this month, and I mm-hmm. when I left, it was like the fifth or something. I don't know. It feels like time between uh, yeah. this year's fl- flown by. I mean, I watched twenty movies last week, and then the last like what is today? I like ninety days. I've watched I th- with all the Panic Fest film like. I don't even know, like 150 to 200, somewhere in there, in the first three months of this year. Your name is Adam Roberts. Yeah. I, you're I, here at Screenland. I'm tired, at guys. I know. I've watched a lot of movies. Uh, I'm t- I, I said when I got back, I was like, you know, I think I'm going to not watch movies for a little bit. <laughs> I'm like, I've just like fucking watched two minutes. Mi- it's not that I, I say that, that I'm going to go watch a movie tonight, but I'm like, <laughs> I just need to like read a book or like balance well, I'm gonna go or watch some a glass of wine on the board yeah. i didn't watch some bullshit as why like some 20 go. minute bullshit some um, three stooges shorts or some shit mm. but yeah you, you mentioned the new website and the new rewards program or we just that's the new pos system we did that two days before i left so that was fucking chaos like the last 25 days of my life has been crazy it's but like cool looking it, it is uh, very user-friendly yeah. I mean, it's, it's, it's very it's, like it's getting there. There's still some like quirks and stuff, but we're, we're certainly getting there. Um, but yeah, well, and that's what to me again the the whole thing that separates you from the AMC's, the B and B's, the Cinemarks is that personal touch, mm-hmm. yeah. that mom and pop approach. And so this adds to it with the rewards program, but then also the all the individual programming because not only Friday Night Frights, but like 
Hot Pink. Yeah. Uh, we've got the Anime, Anime Club. Club. Yep. All the good stuff that's coming out there. So yeah, it definitely makes it easier, I think, for especially new customers or, or like people who've only been like once or twice on the website or something mm-hmm. that, that they can like organize and search and like it just like flows a lot easier. And if you're a member, like, I don't know how much you guys have gone on there, but like you have your own like uh, you have your own account and you can go to like coming soon and like oh remi- uh, add to my watch list so you can see when it comes out and you can follow the movies you don't want to miss. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then like we can send notifications or remi- I can let you know when like things like whatever like if a star if we there was a star wars you know big big release mm-hmm. coming out that people we know people are going to really want to know when tickets are on sale stuff. we could send all the members like a push notification so that they're like oh shit i can't now tickets are on sale i'm gonna go get them uh oh and same thing if we did like a special event like we did joe bob or something we want yeah. everyone who has a member to know to get first dibs we can blast that out right away so they would know before we did a post or something so, so rewards it, it and is, perks yeah, yeah rewards and perks and membership then coming, coming in april yes. there's gonna be a paid member a premium membership with uh a lot more perks and stuff but uh but yeah it, it's it's really cool and it's i would say it's always getting uh cooler it's just you know been like a crazy 10 days or so like i said <laughs> i time has been faked in the last 10 days for me so it's a good sure. thing you're not in Duckburg. Okay. You know, time yeah. is like a hurricane. I think so. I, if I just sleep a lot this weekend, uh, I'll be okay. Prepare sleep? Yourself. What's that, dude? Yeah. You know you're going to get up and watch the movies. Well, it's like, no, it's just that I I know I'm... Uh, I, uh, well, uh, you've been sitting here for the last hour and a half or so watching me just do uh, All, weirdest amounts of different shit. He's never uh, bored, ladies yeah. and gentlemen, and never not busy. So, which is why, again, thank you for... And you, yes, we will be doing a, a proper Panic, Panic Fest, Fest preview yeah. episode. because. I am so stoked. Oh. This lineup is stacked and fat. So that it being is. said, at least give us give us one film beyond like the From Beyond or the We Are Still Here with you know with the Queen herself. Uh-huh. Something that they should be seeking out or two if you can't think of just one. <laughs> um, listen, so here, here's the thing about this year's lineup, and this is maybe better that I say that than pick out one or two movies. Mm-hmm. Is we had the most submissions we've ever had this year, um, and. We, we were still getting them up until we had to push back the announcement by a week because we were still getting releases or movies of all types. Uh, we got five features the last day of submissions, and that's never happened. Usually we get like one or maybe maybe usually none because it's we, our window is like five or six months. Uh, but this year we were getting so many and that, you know, you can't just like announce the day next day because you have to. We thought we had it locked and mm-hmm. then five right. more show up and mm-hmm. they were Almost all, really, almost all of them made it in, and okay. we're like, oh, and that, but that kicks other people out because you can only fit so many films, right. and that's the hardest thing. So this year we added uh, long form shorts to online because we had a lot of long format shorts submitted. We got more shorts than we ever got, more features than we ever got. So we have uh, a lot of online exclusive features, and that's only. That's not the quality saying that they don't deserve to be in person. That's just saying we don't have enough it's spots in person. Yeah. Um, so, uh, which is good for for if you get a pass, your your in person badge also comes a virtual, so you can go here the whole week, and then the second weekend you can watch okay. everything you miss, or you can get all the virtual stuff. But I mean, it is truly. I mean, every year has been like it's a packed fest. But this year there are there were still films we couldn't even fit in because it was like because some some studios or some producers don't want you to do an online screen. So. We couldn't fit you in, you know, in person, and you didn't want to do online, and so we just couldn't fit you in the fest. So we're we're just under. I think we have forty five features, I think, and then six short categories, and then uh, you know the podcast, like you guys doing your game of games, and then uh, you know the uh, horror virgin and cool uh, podcast, Mm -hmm. and then uh, coming back after missing a year is screen drafts yes. doing a, a virtual draft. They were gonna, we were trying to get, we tried to get them in person, but okay. those guys are 
doing a lot of live podcasts, but uh, uh, they'll be doing the bridge night, which is great. Right. So the, uh, the on 420, they'll be doing a live show of a TBD theme with TBD guests. I can't, can only imagine what uh, it's going to be. It'll be fun, though. So, uh, But yeah, this year, and then, you know, I'm not going to lie, there's going to be a couple more announcements that we just, like, you know, details, fine print things, you know. We'll mm-hmm. figure it out, but there should there should be a couple more things we hope Sweet. announcing. Yeah. Uh, but I will also say that even before a single announcement, we had almost sold as many passes as we did going into April or in on April first last year, and we were like two weeks ahead. So um, I do I truly do think that we will not have a single. There won't be there'll be walk up tickets during the weekdays because mm-hmm. that's usually there are. But from Thursday to Sunday, I think we will actually be fully sold out. Like for every, every single seat in both auditoriums. Get your fucking passes um, now. So out there. Yeah. Get your I, fucking passes I, I now. I am not being hyperbolic and saying the amount of because because you know the amount of guests that are coming. Hell yeah. Uh, we have the most guests right now. So I pretty I think somebody from every film will be here. Holy we have people coming wow. from like Jeez. Korea, from South Korea. Wow. We have people oh. coming from Germany. We have people coming from the UK. We have people coming from Canada. And then I think someone's coming from Brazil. We have a lot of Holy people shit. coming, and those are the ones that have already reached out. Uh, next week, because we haven't even set the schedule, so some people are just yeah. waiting before they even decide. Yeah. Um, next Monday, the filmmakers will get their rough idea of where they're going to be placed. Um, but we know those people are all coming, that they've already booked travel for this week. And then uh, and then there's a ton of short filmmakers that come. So oh, And yeah. that, that oh, eats yeah. up. You know, we only have, between the two auditoriums right now, uh, you know, less than 300 seats. So that's 300 badges. And we're approaching and, – and, you know, there's almost 100 films with shorts included – playing the festival so you have to assume just filmmakers if they if two filmmakers came from all of them all the passes are gone so i would say that like wow the amount of i mean we still sell a lot of badges but like i will say if you want to come to panic fest get your badge now so anti-treasure of sierra madre you do need your stinking badges Mm -hmm. yeah but also there's so much good shit like uh, you know opening up renfield uh yeah the the new lionsgate film sisu that's what Uh, i want to see i was going to tell you you uh you know there's a lot a lot of really really cool shit but uh you know it it was a fucking tough year good and in a way i only hope it gets tougher because that means you're just getting better quality of films more films coming to you and Again, our continued congratulations on mm-hmm. this, man. It's been cool to see from behind the scenes and, again, knowing everything that goes into play. I just appreciate the work that you, Tim, and everyone that's doing in Panic Fest, man. Yeah. Again, memories are made there. Like Some of the stuff that I'm going to die thinking about comes from Panic Fest, man. Like, legit. Yeah, that's There's true. some amazing things that happen. Fucking Pat is coming back. John yep. Patta? John, John Patta's Patta? coming back John Patta, with Black Mold. The and world I, premiere of his movie. And I'm not just saying, John Patta, that we might actually be programming a specific question, what's my line for you? Yeah. But uh, audience participation, it's going to be in there. Oh, yeah. It's going to be in there. No, man, again, yeah. we appreciate that. Now, we will be doing an episode proper, but yeah. let's go back. Before we panic, let's do some madness. 20 years ago, let's Adam. This time machine, yes. 2003. Mm-hmm. Genius and I have talked about, well, hazy genius hazy, a little. Hazy, right? <laughs> but 20 wow. years ago, wow. where were you in 2003? Uh, I would have been uh, a 2003, 20. I would have been 17. <laughs> ah, yeah. He's only 17. <laughs> 17. Uh, yeah, I, I would have been 17. I would have been working at a video store. Um 
which which one? A Hollywood video with my nice purple shirt tucked into my black slacks and my black shoes. Have you ever noticed the best of the best people worked at video stores? <laughs> yeah, only the fucking real, real. Only ones. the realest of the yeah. real. The yeah, the real ones. Did, did you work at a video store, Greg? I were okay. I'm gonna throw it out to you guys since you all worked at video stores proper. My only video retail experience was I worked in the rental video part portion of Farmore. That counts. It's a rental. Plus, yeah, you that counts. At, plus, you worked at Suncoast, and that and just as reminds, I worked at Suncoast too. I did work at Suncoast. That does hundred percent count. Yeah. you still got to know your movies. Phew. Hey, but let's not forget for you young young people here <laughs> who didn't rent tapes uh, or or DVDs for that matter. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's a reminder that. Almost every grocery store, any grocery store that's worth their salt, had a video section to rent from. Even yeah, the videos, right. the grocery stores that weren't. Even yeah, like some of still, and there was it a, wasn't it even was a, a Bob's IGA. Selection. It was like a Bob's IPA. Yeah, and it was like there was videos in the back, yeah. and they even had a beaded curtain. I section. remember there was like this shitty video store uh, or grocery. <laughs> it was a shitty video store in a grocery store, I guess you could say. But there was like the amount of videos you could rent. I would say it had to be less than two hundred. Yeah, and they had mm-hmm. like a copy of everything, mm-hmm. and they were on like the fucking comic book turning racks. Oh yeah. yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> and there was like three or four of them on like you checked out and then it was right there and you would go to customer service to get your shit. But like, yeah, you would rent. You could go get your fucking snacks and your grocery shopping and then you would rent a fucking tape. But it was probably like Titanic or or you can even rent the VCR there. too. Oh, that's yeah. true. Yeah, you didn't have it. And then and the, a carpet cleaner if you needed ex- one. Exactly. And get ran on there. And the weird thing is, like those are the <laughs> shitty those little shitty grocery stores, the mom and pops. Those are the ones that had like faces of death uh-huh. and like all the like hardcore horror band ones and yeah. shit. I'm they pretty sure have... I got Nailgun Massacre right? from one of those places like back anti, in the day. Like anti-mames meat pies or some shit back there. You know, some terrible shit. <laughs> I'm pretty <laughs> sure that's not a real movie you just said. <laughs> anti-mames meat pies? No, uh, he just said Nailgun Massacre. Nail oh, no, that's real. I've never in my life. It had an iconic poster and VHS cover. Yeah, it's real. That had me just transfixed. And it was one of those also back in the day that I, it freaked me out. Like, hmm. I didn't think I should watch it, but eventually did. And I was like, oh, he, he got a nail gun in the penis. <laughs> yeah. Maybe if I saw the cover, I'd remember it. But it'll, uh, it'll, it'll, it, but it also was an AKA as well. Yeah, so I was just a dirty little punk kid in uh, 2003 working at, at a uh, clean video store. You know, uh, Hollywood Video actually was the sh- So if you didn't know, Hollywood Video was the cool chain because we did have NC-17 films. Um, we, I think people thought we were like the, like the little bitch pre- uh, preps of the video store industry, oh, but no, that was, that was blockbuster blockbuster, unless it, they were franchised a lot of them. So some of the franchises could do stuff, but generally like blockbusters, they're the ones that would have the rated versions of stuff and Hollywood videos and the mom and pops would get the both cuts. We'd have the R rated unrated for all you people who remember the DVD craze of the two versions mm-hmm. of releases, but the videos I worked there in the, the actual year we were transitioning from VHS to DVD, to DVD. and we still had VHSs for most, I think the whole time i worked there was just shrunk uh like we were we sold a lot of them and stuff but uh that was that was my time and you know what i'll say i didn't really uh, i mean i i used to spend a lot up until 2003 i spent a lot of time at a video store working at a video store um i had really bad managers i would say um i mean uh, the only time i was ever sick i mean this you know i'd worked every holiday you know like as you do with a lot of like service industry jobs and it's kind of expected it's fine uh, but I never called in, and I didn't have a car then because I was like working to buy a car. Right. Um, 
And so my mom would take me and the one day I, I, no one would cover my shift and I, I was actually legitimately sick and I was like, Hey, will you just let me go home? It's pretty slow. It was kind of snowy outside. Uh, and I was like, we just stay the manager. And then I went on my break and I came back and the manager fucking left. And I was like, where'd she go? And they're like, like Oh, she went to go get her fucking uh, oil changed and tires rotated. She's not coming back the rest of the day. And I was like, her actual job is to like, if no one could cover to cover for sick people. I'm like, I fucking quit. I wrote her, I hand wrote her a note and I put it on her fucking desk and i was like here's why i'm quitting is because this is your actual fucking job i'm actually sick like i am running a fever i'm fucking visibly sweating and you want me to work three more hours of my shift you can't cover me or, or god forbid just like work a short shift with mm-hmm. the three of so you yeah change. whatever yeah, you'll off. be fine uh and you're going to get your oil changed and tires rotated fuck you i'm out and i and then i put that on there and i waited for my mom out front like a real <laughs> like the real one you know like a hard ass uh, that's who i was in 2003 Damn. if you wanted to know uh, well, that was me. That, that you're kind of like a little video tough out there, man. That's impressive. Yeah. Well, and it's it's you're not a lot of red hair anymore. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but it's appropriate though that you kind of stayed mom and pop uh-huh. in the days of the franchise versus you know the blockbusters and everything versus kind of how you are now with Screenland versus some of the franchises out there. So I'm curious then. Based on the matchups we have here in the Scream 16. Well, and now you still don't have anybody to cover your sick days. <laughs> <laughs> that's true. That's true. You are that guy you now. Are the guy I that am that guy. guy. I, I am the backup at the backup. In the in pandemic, it's funny. In the pandemic, I was like the one that was like, nobody can come around me because if any of you motherfuckers get sick, I have to cover everyone. Like if all of you are sick on one shift, I'm the only person that could work the next shift by myself. He's over there reeling the projectors, yeah. popping the popcorn, taking the tickets. Well, that's what happens when you're the popcorn. The popcorn. Ah, holy popcorn. Uh, holy he's girls. back. All right, what do you got here? Actually, what about fuck these it. Titles? I just, I, no, I forget the titles. Now I just need you in. We're going to design on your scooter a little bubble, clear plastic bubble like for you to ride around in. Yep, mm-hmm. I like it. So, uh, can then, I get one side of holy butter, please? Right. And then if on the news, if on the app, if you ever have like newsletters, you can call like the Papal Papers or something like that. Yeah. You know, Pope dispatches or some yeah. shit. That's yeah, a, that's pretty good. That's pretty damn good. No, our first matchup here, we've got, uh, and it's funny when I look at the matchup, it's something that could have shown up in the first round based on the content, the prop possible relationships. Based on the fucking bracket. We it's, had a bracket. They, the winners of one of the brackets went on to make another bracket. bracket. The same fucking thing. So we have Marcus Nispel's uh, Texas Chainsaw Massacre remake going up against Rob Zombie's House of a Thousand Corpses. Adam, which one are we going to talk first? Uh, let's go with the uh, let's go with the TCM remake. Let's TCB TCM. <laughs> and we had you and Eric on last year. We did a whole month of remakes. We yeah. talked the Evil Dead remake, which is next mm-hmm. next bracket. Right. Curious. What's your what's your thoughts on the the, t- the TC uh, TCM remake? Um, I saw this in theaters. Okay. We all, we all, so I, uh, every one of these movies we're going to talk about today, I did see in theaters. Okay, good. good. Um, and I also did see. Let me think. The next two, I'm trying to, uh, I'm missing. Uh, okay. So one film in each of these brackets we're going to talk about today had alternate cuts, either an unrated cut or, uh, uh, you know, a European cut. That's true. And I've mm-hmm. seen both. I've, so I've seen every version. <laughs> I've seen the, I saw a bootleg one. The next one we'll talk about. But this one, I saw both versions. Um, this one is kicked off the American re- remakes of American films. I would say in terms of its success, right? Because mm-hmm. of course, like this is 2003, The Ring had already happened in 2002, and we had the Dark Sky stuff in the late 90s. But when it came to slashers, there wasn't a lot of remakes of slashers. Right. Or this was the 
and started. so this was, yeah, and, and yeah. you know the que- I remember when this came out, and this was like my fucking sleuth times on the internet, like Dark Horizons <laughs> all fucking day, baby. Yeah. Uh, oh, so yes. so I'd just be Dark up in there, Horizons. and I'd be like like reading the shit, and I'd be like, Marcus and Spell, like this music video director is gonna do this. Michael Bay's producing this. What is this fucking movie gonna be? And it was like the cat, the entire. All of the CW is going to be on it, which at the time would be the WB, you the motherfuckers. WB, right? <laughs> yeah. uh, we're bringing it back to 2003 because this is how it was. Uh, yeah, then. we are. Um, and I remember <laughs> the I was chick like, from Seventh Heaven? Yeah, I'm like, what? I don't know. This will, this could be okay. Um, I And then I went in and watched it. Again, I was 17. I was like, oh, this is pretty good. Um, so it's it's kind of the op- most opposite of the CCM, inter- which always felt like a grimy, almost docu-style feeling. And you know, it's like so stepped on and grungy and indie and all all those things that we all know about it. This was like – it was like a really Hollywood version of trying to emulate that. Well, that's what I always find fascinating, though, is the fact that uh, uh, Daniel Pearl shot both of them. Yeah, yeah. And just you can see him funneling whoever he's working with their vision to make. Yeah. A, had you seen the original at that point at two thousand three? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I had seen it on cassette tape. <laughs> but like something you said, the original was very indie, low budget, very hot, grimy. Yeah. This one is big and slick and polished yeah. and wet. I think polished is, is a good movie. thing because like the first one, I think when I when I say it feels like a documentary, I, I what I kind of mean is it almost feels plotless it's rough mm-hmm. like it doesn't really feel like structured like a normal movie like uh, act one two and three whereas this is you can i mean this is a movie movie this is a scripted movie it's not it's not uh it doesn't feel docu because it, it's not it's I, i'm guessing a lot of the original film i'm sure they had a script but i'm guessing that they were improving on the set not just there's not a lot of dialogue in the first one but i'm guessing that they were like making things up based on the location and set pieces and what what worked and what didn't work visually, what they had time to do and shit. So, sure. like, the movie was, I think, being shaped out of, like, sheer chaos, I'm so sure. is that a reason why we didn't get any raspberries in the remake versus oh, for sure. all of Franklin's dialogue, sure. basically, in the for original? Sure. Yeah, I, th- I, th- I think... Uh, I think I think 100% is, is as that's correct. But so I think like it's just a totally different out of all maybe all the all the movies to remake. This one's so weird because it is it would be like remaking the Blair Witch Project. It's so like hard to remake that because it was done so cheaply. Mm-hmm. And like when you're making independent films and so cheap and, and it's your first movie, right? Your first feature, you're kind of like figuring out how feature filmmaking works. And like, you know, the, there's like a legend of like a seven hour Blair Witch cut out there. You know, it's oh like, uh, and this probably has a, a longer version, sure. I, I would guess, because, and it may be worse, but this is like edited so perfect and it's just the necessities there. But you're still figuring out like how, how to film a movie, how, how it all connects to together uh and and it's not like remaking nightmare on elm street which is a scripted movie made like a normal movie with a decent budget that makes sense to remake you have the normal plots to follow this is like this is kind of like you're taking a vibe kind of of a movie and trying to turn that into a hollywood production um and and i think for a lot of people i know why they don't like it it's because it's not that same vibe Mm -hmm. it's not that same chaos and docu feel and like which makes it feel dangerous. It makes mm. it feel like a home video because it's like chaotic. It's not following ABC points, whereas this does. And I think it does. For me, it does a pretty good job at doing that remake. Um, you know, it's not. It, it's not the first movie. It's not going to blow anybody's minds. But I think it's an effectively scary film. I, um, I think it's. I think it's got good gore. I think the Leatherface is cool in it. I think the, the, the location still looks rad. I think some of the cinematography is cool. It doesn't really. Uh, Do Do we ever? Sh- have we shown this? 
or Friday Night Fright? Not uh-huh. the remake. Not a Friday oh. Night Fright. I don't think uh, we show, we, I think repertory. We, the AG, we think we've shown the OG. OG not, has definitely, definitely come shown, yeah, we've shown yeah. the OG. So not, I, I rewatched this uh, not too long ago, but I didn't have the Blu-ray, and I watched the DVD, and I was like, fuck, this movie's kind of grimy and dark. It was grimier and darker it, than I remember, so I need to watch the dark. Blu-ray. That's just it. I mean, it's like the in tone in sequence. It's hard like, to see a lot of it. Yeah, especially in the when they're in the house. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and when she's in the corner and the other ones in the corner and Leatherface. That is a hard dark scene to see, but I think it's almost intentional because you're like, oh, I'm sure fuck? it's intentional. I, I just want to watch a new version of it because I think Brighter I watched a DVD, which up. was probably a little shittier. Um, but I think it's pretty good. I think it's, uh, you know, it's not great. It's it still feels a little like soft in a lot of ways, but for a movie like Texas Chainsaw Massacre, but. So and that's just it. I think it varies on the baggage based <clears throat> on what you're bringing. But, you know, I, you're, but also we have to all remember that we all remember the Texas Chainsaw Massacre totally different than that movie actually is. Like the amount of carnage on screen is very little, little to none. But we so, think it's the bloodiest thing yeah, ever, and it's not. No, it's and, not Evil Dead. And see, that's the thing. They took the remake, which is very bloodless. Um, is very a reverse home invasion where Leatherface is a very sympathetic because he's yep. just minding his own business, and these teens come in and fuck with his house. And something I'm not saying lighthearted, but this is definitely not as mean mm-hmm. as this new movie. Yeah, the new remake has a mean tone to it, a mean streak. You're talking about this year, yeah, 2023. No, 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 no. Text, okay. Yeah, the 20, 2003. That one has a very mean feeling to yeah. it uh, compared to the OG. It turns Leatherface into a hulking. Kill them all, brute, as opposed to a man child. What everyone assumes yeah. he is in the OG. It, yeah, basically, tex- to me, Texas Chainsaw Massacre is like, oh, this is what you think mm-hmm. that Texas Chainsaw Massacre mm-hmm. is? Here it is, then. Yeah. You know, it's almost like all the, the, all the fa- false assumptions people have going into that first one. We're going to make it reality. This. And I think they made it work because yeah. it's an effective. I don't want to say slasher because the main villain isn't even Leatherface. It's fucking Arlie Ermey. Goddamn. You know? Those eyebrows. Right? So it's... I think they made an effective horror movie with this remake that on paper should not work at all. You would think so, but I... And and I like I said before, this was actually the first one I did watch before I went into the original, and this one scared me. Mm -hmm. Uh, I remember seeing it a second time in the theater, and when Leatherface came out... There are a group of horror fans next to me that were rear cheering, and I'm like going, oh my God, I'm freaked out at this point. Like, I didn't realize the reverence for Leatherface and just all the people they were bringing to the point that I was like, wow, this is a different kind of experience. And 20 years ago, I was really discovering the big old world of horror out there. And I think you said it best. If you can make a bunch of horror fans enjoy a remake of a beloved movie, you might have something on your hands there. And it's probably no mistake then that he would go on to then helm the Friday the Thirteenth remake, which I like as well. I'm a big fan. And I of. think he hits. The, I think he had a little. You can feel like he has a little bit more. Uh, the producers, I think, give him a little more leeway with that. I think he hits the tone a little bit better with that one. I, yeah. I like that. I think that fits. It's the best remake, I think, in my opinion, the Friday remake. Mm-hmm. And I think he directs it really well. He holds the tone really well. He like pays homage and wants to fit right into that franchise. He yeah. does. Whereas I think TCM tried to, I think where it fails is not being original enough. Is like yeah. just really trying to almost almost go the psycho route of like they try to go. You know there is differences, but they almost go beat to beat. Mm-hmm. Um, but they give you more story, mm-hmm. um, which I guess like waters it down for some people because you're getting uh, like the wise and and the original sure. film. It's just kind of like it's just fucking happening. So let me ask you this, because he nails the tone of the Friday the Thirteenth movies in his remake especially mm-hmm. well, and he alters. 
the tone of the Texas Chainsaw to the point where it's the tone of Friday. Or what are yeah. the meaner Fridays at five, if anything? Yeah. <laughs> so do you think, like, this was... He has more reverence for the 13th series as opposed to the Texas Chainsaw. So oh, maybe this so. was like an audition film. Like, hey, mm. this is what I can do with a classic IP. Give me, give me Jason. <laughs> yeah, I don't, I, I don't know. I, I, you know, those music video directors, they were all like, it was a different time. And I th- I'm guessing he, he, I'm guessing he was hand selected and this was just like the movie that they wanted to launch with. Cause I, I, if I remember right, Michael Bay is like actually really obsessed with the T- Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Hmm. Um, so it makes sense that he, w- this was the first one. Mm-hmm. And, you know, he came from music videos too. So that was this whole thing. It was like propping other, other homies up basically. Um, so I'm guessing he didn't really have much of a choice here. Yeah. Um, I'm guessing this was you, more. You, you want to make a movie? I'm guessing yeah, this was a Michael Bay, Bay rodeo kind of thing. And wasn't the the idea was Anchor Bay was almost like a farm system at mm-hmm. that point to, like a, for like upcoming like filmmakers? Production house. Yeah. yeah, yeah, which makes sense. So, uh, other thoughts on the Texas Chainsaw Massacre remake, uh, Adam? Before we head into something that's also Texas Chainsaw um, Massacre inspired, <laughs> I, I will say uh, here's the thing about Texas Chainsaw Massacre as a franchise. I would say most of them are not very good, in my opinion. I would say there's more misses, uh, a lot of misses. I would say there is. I would say this is in the top three of the of the whole franchise. <laughs> I will give you that. I and, think, and this might be number three. I was gonna say, but, but it's in the top three. Yeah. And I think you're right. I think there's a lot more. Here's the thing with Texas Chainsaw. I think there are more misses than hits. But when the hits hit, Ooh. they hit hard. Yeah, they do. So yeah, and we're talking. I think one, two, and then this one are the best three. I will agree that's with that. That's actually in my uh, top that's three. That's not my well. top three but as well. That being said, the third one has probably one of the greatest trailers of all time with him by uh, the lake. Oh goddamn! Oh, yeah. And then all fucking Excalibur out. I think, uh, so I think all of them, even like uh, even the weird like Leatherface one. I think all of them have like bits and pieces I like. Sure. Uh, it's just they don't. They're just, they're they don't have an original thing to say. So they're like so like. So leaning on, and they're not, but they're like weirdly not trying to be remakes. They're always trying to be like a sequel or prequel or something. I'm like, what the fuck? You're damned if you do or damned if you don't. I think in this <coughs> franchise, yeah, yeah, pretty much, yeah, yeah. Now that being said, I, mean, I will say the last, the one that came out in 2022 could have been good if it wasn't the weirdest, most conservative fucking messaging in that movie. It, there's some pro weird gun, stuff with the gun stuff, anti, anti, like shame, victim shaming, like all this weird ass shit in that movie. Although I will say though, the the ending though has they try to extrapolate the Sally Hardesty thing with her in the little self guided Tesla thing. Made me giggle. Me I'm not going to laugh. I mean, that, that movie is a fucking train wreck for me, but... I didn't mind it. I didn't, I didn't mind, mind it. it. I know. I <laughs> well, here's the thing. Visually, it looked great. It had great kills. It's the story and the messaging, which are weirdly the most conservative I've, I've seen in any fucking I mean, franchise horror It film. is Texas. <laughs> oh, but I mean from the point... Like, <laughs> yeah. from the filmmaker's perspective, sure. though, yeah. where they're, like, victim-shaming people, like, not in the movie, but, like, the message of the movie is that. It's, like pro-gun in like a lot of instances it's very weird it's just a strange fucking movie and then the sally hardesty thing as well it's no matter what your politics are you shouldn't be pro-gun in a texas chainsaw massacre movie you should be (laughs) pro-chainsaw in a texas chainsaw massacre movie let leatherface ratify the constitution Mm -hmm. so uh going from a remake to an og that who knows may get a remake (laughs) down the line uh rob zombie's house of a thousand corpses Adam, what's your relationship with a yeah? Oh boy, uh, Rob Zombie. Uh, well, we, we'll just talk about this particular film. I think for the, for for today. Uh, <laughs> so this movie. Uh, so th- this came out. It was released theatrically in two thousand three. However, the original like footage I think came out in October two thousand one. It was back in two thousand one. Uh, yeah. And I remember it coming out, and it was and it was like the the it was. 
a throwback to the to the seventies, and it was very Texas Chainsaw Massacre. It was a cemetery that was raining, and you just had a news report of all the, like this most horrific. It was very plain yep. on the, but it was that. really fucking cool. Mm-hmm. And we're like, oh shit! And then in the spring of two thousand two. Universal's like no shit, <laughs> we can't touch that. <laughs> and pulled out, you know, uh, pulled. And, and the time frame might be slightly skewed there, but that's kind of the order I remember it happening. And then the movie was like never going to be released. And, and then like he had finished it, and there was like this NC seventeen cut and all this shit. And then and then you know fast forward two thousand three. I can't remember when this came out exactly in two thousand October. Three. I, I want to say October, but I actually don't. I think it was like. A different time of year than that. I, I think it was summertime, actually. I'm just trying to remember when I was going to see it. Uh, and it not being like packed. But I remember it did get a release. Lionsgate picked it up. And it cut it back to an R rating. And then I watched it. And I was like, oh, this movie's pretty fun. Uh, you know, I was 17 at the time. So my horror vocabulary was pretty different than it is today. Mm-hmm. Um, I would say, like, I, I've had a roller coaster with this movie in my life. Like, seeing it for the first time, I'm like, wow, this movie's fucking dope <laughs> like as a 17 yep, year old yep, 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 i was yep, like this yep. movie was fucking had it all man it was like crazy <laughs> and, and and like just unbelievable and like i was like man but can you imagine what the fuck is the nc-17 is so like we all can all, always think that like mm-hmm. what is right. really uh that film uh and then and then i think a couple years later you know when i get in my 20s and i watch a lot more movies i'm just like boy is that movie just derivative of everything oh. huh? uh and, and it's also like totally all over the place and it's like the most music video shit you've ever seen and like uh like it's barely a movie it's it's kind of like uh, it's kind of like sketches uh and it doesn't fucking make any sense at all and you're just like ah. but it's kind of a cool it's kind of this cool mess of a thing that you're just like i think it's kind of cool uh, and then like, and then I went to like, nah, that movie sucks for a little bit. And then, and then like, I think I've come back around to like, uh, it's got cool moments. Uh, I would say it's aged in a weird way. I don't think it, I think it's kind of an ugly looking movie. Um, it's very video music video. I do think it has aged in a really, really weird way because the one thing and something we've talked about, did Lords of Salem, did that participate in In the Mouth of March Madness? I can't remember if that did the previous year or not. I don't think so. I think but we had talked it about it something. recently, and it's like yeah. one of those things where it's like finally all the promise of what we saw in the House of Thousand Corpses was Are finally brought- realized. And see, there's two types of Rob Zombie fans. There are ones that like, oh, man, House of Thousand, or... Uh, uh, Lords, of Sal- Lords of Salem was his worst fucking movie in summer. Like Lords of Salem was his best sure. fucking movie, right? I am not a Rob Zombie fan at all, but I respect him. You do appreciate it. Yeah, you can at least appreciate him, what appreciate he does. Him, and I think Lords of Salem was a damn good movie. I hey, listen as as another person who loves Rosemary's Baby. I I like Lords of Salem quite a bit because I like Rose, Rosemary's Baby a lot, and it's basically his version of his. Pretty much in my yeah. head, it's like his. Reimagining of that story through like music, like he took a like he took a Ty West Ty, uh, TED talk. <laughs> yeah, he watched Rose, he read Rosemary's Baby or watched it and then uh, yeah saw uh, yeah took and, a Ty West TED but talk. I, I and do then like, like it. Okay, cool. No, actually, I like it too. I interestingly, think it's, he's I, grown so much as a director. Yeah, yeah I, I like I, I actually think uh, as a not um, as a f- not a fan of the monsters. I went in to watch his movie and I was like, oh, listen, I don't like the monsters anyways. Like I, I was more of Adam's family growing up. I was like, he can only win me over. He can't lo- really lose me. Uh, and I was like, this movie is the best version of the Monsters. It, it, I had a great time. I wanted it to be a series, though, not a movie, a movie. Because it has all those sketches, you know? And it's like, this feels like it would be a great like 15-minute episodes or something. Sure. But it was a lot of fun. I was like, this is the cool tone. He's like, I think he's nailing the tone. It's not for everybody. 
I was surprised I liked it so much, but uh, but isn't but isn't it more geared more family friendly? Oh in a yeah. Way? yeah, yeah, yeah. You monsters. watched it? You watched it, right? I haven't watched oh. it yet because I still have that Rob Zombie bias, and I love the monsters. Oh wow, okay. so that's I tough. Love okay, so shit. Thing, I don't though. know. I'll be interested to see what you think well, though, because it's so different. You talk about loving the monsters. Rob Zombie loves the monsters. Rob Zombie loves horror in a way I probably can't understand. Just because you love something doesn't mean you. Yeah. Right? And you see that a lot in House of a Thousand Corpses where he's throwing every idea because it seems like he's so excited that he may never get to direct something yeah. again. So why don't I throw in all these things? It's very funny because you see like I think in, in his head and for some people they're like, oh, Rob Zombie is just the Quentin Tarantino of horror. And I think he might even think that, too, that he's like, well, I'm paying homage here. Right. I'm like, bro, you're not subtly paying homage <laughs> to anything. You're remaking scenes sometimes. And, like, you know, it's not very subtle at all where Tarantino will, like, be, like, he is truly, like, inspired. And then it's right. also, like, crazy fucking movies no one's ever heard of, too. And, like, he, like, really has a voice, though. Whereas Rob Zombie, I, I'm still kind of trying to wrap my voice. He's a little slapdash, isn't he? Yeah, you don't really. You're like, <laughs> I know he really likes excessive violence. Excessive swearing. And, and you know what? But I don't really know what else, like, what is a Rob Zombie movie? It's kind of white trash and violent, it's, but yeah, that's about I, it. I don't need that, you know? I mean, and I'm I'm not, like, when it comes to, like, violence and language, I'm no fucking prude at all, right? right? But at the same time, there's parts of watching Halloween where I'm like, dude, yeah, that's enough. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? There's children present. You know what yeah. I'm saying? And that's in the a, world. Right? Just in the world. They just exist. in the world, just in general. Yeah. I'm going to go over there and skull fuck. We don't need what Michael Myers' white trash origin. And I think that's the thing. He... Relies on his Wait, is that, is, that, is that what he says in that movie? Yeah. Oh yeah. There's you know. You know what's a, a, a movie I watched. Side note, because you just said this and it reminded me of this great line at the beginning of. Uh, have you ever seen the movie The Way of the Gun? Oh yeah. With, oh yeah. Shut that. Bi- <laughs> he says, so "Shut that bitch's mouth, so I come start, fuck start her head." <laughs> and I'm just like, "God damn, Christopher." One of the Murphy. greatest openings of any movie ever. Yeah. But, he, he pushes the guy out and d- decks her. God, that movie is fucking real good. Way of the Gun is pretty good. No, but I mean, like, so. I like I said, I appreciate Rob Zombie, and I remember walking in the, watching this movie in the theater, and thinking that first ten minutes Mm -hmm. with Sid Haig Mm -hmm. and that like (laughs) that laughing goon, I fell in love with that movie. I was like, this movie is great. This first ten minutes is wonderful. Let's see what else you got. What the fuck is this bullshit? And I think like that first ten minutes set me up so high, and then the rest of it just went. Bottom and dropped I, out. Even then, I was thinking, dude, this is a music video. Yeah, this is. But you're right. The, the beginning is it opens so strong, and it, and the movie has so many ideas that it like it really does. It is kind of like watching like ten or fifteen short films mixed together, and, and like because even like the tone of scene to scene is so different. And so it'll yeah. go like viciously violent and serious because there's like uh, the uh, um, why am I forgetting his name? Baby movie? Otis, uh, Dwight Wilson, Dwight Chris Hardwick. Fishman, uh, Merman, uh, what is Scalps. Bill Moseley's character? Oh, 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 Otis, oh, Otis. Yeah, like Otis how, how like intense and like rapey he gets. You're like, oh fuck. And then the next scene will be like comical and and, and like and shot totally different. And you're mm-hmm. and like wacky and like you know like sepia tones or like negative like very cheesy music video stuff. And you're like, what the fuck is happening in this movie? And then you see in the next he's in the, in front of a Confederate flag reading a manifesto like he's fucking the Unabomber. Yeah, you know, I think Rob. I think Rob Zombie <laughs> should have took the Glenn Danzig route and did an anthology first. Yeah, would have worked. I think he would have worked. I think Rob Zombie is like me. Are to me is like Ari Aster. They work better in smaller 
chunks yeah. as opposed to one long engrossing story. Because I've seen Ari Aster's short film and I really like it. it. Yeah. I really dug it. And so I can't say everything Ari Aster touches is shit now. <laughs> yeah. Right. But I think like Zombie, can about 15, 20 minutes to play. Mm-hmm. Let him tell a story and you or, got something good. Or, I would like to see Rob Zombie direct a script not written by him. Right. Yes. 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 Because I think he's got I think he has enough to- visuals. It's just he did, I think his writing puts him in places that are just so uneven that it, it's just fucking everywhere. Mm-hmm. And I, I think I would like to if he just was given like I don't know what kind of script he would make, but cuz he didn't write Lords of Salem, did he? I think he did actually. Did he? he did, yeah. I think but again that's why I was like, "Ah, oh, he finally kind of figured it out and found a way to balance." Yeah. But then you watch his... 31, you're like, "No, he didn't." I haven't watched 31 oh, because okay. I've heard, you know, mixed things. And I, I don't even have a zombie bias. I just kind of have a him going to the well bias. Right. Yeah. Well, you know that, you know why he made 31, right? Fan whole, funding. Yeah. The, well, the whole thing with 31 was he's been trying to make the blob for like a decade. Yeah. Which... And it was like, "No, no, no." And he's like, "Watch, I can make a fucking movie." I can make this movie called 31. I haven't even read the script. I can pre-sell this movie and get it made tomorrow. And he literally did. Crowdfunded. He, he yeah. literally got that movie put together by just by. And that's like the kind of weird, unfortunate thing. But but I can almost imagine, you know, let's think of like a recent film in the last decade or so that would be like his style. Like you, we talked about the loved ones earlier. Mm-hmm. I, I can imagine him getting that script and making it and it being awesome. Have him make the Texas Chainsaw remake. That's yeah. just but like, that's give him what the he needs to make. Yeah, yeah give him. Don't let him write script. the script. Right. No. If they were to remake the Fun House, I think he'd be. Oh, the he'd be perfect. Perfect. He'd be for that. perfect for the Fun House. As long as you mention, as long somebody as else not, writes the script, because yes, it's it, all about collaboration yeah. and getting out of your echo. That's what happened chamber. with Danzig. It's goofy. Yeah. You know, I mean, yeah. like, yeah, and you don't have to do it. There's such a thing with like, uh, you know, like Rob Zombie needs to learn he's not Quentin Tarantino, and I think he, I don't know if he thinks that, but I, I, I kind of think he thinks he's like the Tarantino of horror. He's like, I put a lot of homages, and I'm making my own old school character actors yeah. in there. Yeah, yeah hold on, uh, cool up. soundtracks and stuff. I have not seen. Feet. One frame of yeah, Sherry Moon Zombie's feet. Oh, but there's a lot of Sherry Moon. Zo- Actually, I don't know. She was no, kind of footless in uh, Lords of Salem. What you're saying? Yeah. No, you're, mis- you're misunderstanding. Sherry Moon Zombie is the feet. He is the, the exactly. <laughs> He's got a foot that's fetish. His, no, no, no. He's that's his thing. Yeah, he's got a Sherry. It is. I actually, you know, weirdly, I I like Sherry quite a bit in the I roles. Don't I think th- she's I think bad, she, especially in Lords of Salem. Lords she's of Salem, really she's good. Great. She's yeah. really good, and she's super fun in the monsters. I just want to choke her out and baby as baby yeah. Firefly. She's so fucking annoying. I mean, she, she's hot. Don't get me wrong. She's but like, gorgeous. can you imagine him making but, something like a uh, uh, like a uh, like Devil's Candy? Like a movie like that, like I want to see Rob Zombie make that type of movie. That's about yeah. that's yeah. in like the spirit of the genre that plays with that type of. Stuff. I think I think he I think he means really well, and, and I'm sure he's a great person. Uh, it's just like especially this movie. It's just like it's such a first time movie. It, it is so mm-hmm. sloppy. It's got big ups. I know it has huge fans out there, uh, and I understand when I watch it. I'm like, oh, I know why people really like this movie. It's not really for me. It has, you know, I really like the beginning. Like ten, fifteen minutes or something, mm-hmm. uh, and I like selections throughout throughout the thing. It's just as a whole, it, it just doesn't right. add up to anything, any emotional anything. Mm-hmm. And you can get that what it's trying to do honestly from another film, probably better than the film we just talked about. <laughs> I mean, you can get it from Texas Chainsaw Massacre remake. Yeah. Well, a lot of carryover in both of the films, and obviously journeys taken on both of these films, but only one can journey on into the round of the Hateful Eight. So here in the round of the Scream 16, we have two bits of criteria, and the first is so nice, we do it twice. We're going to ask, which of the two films is closer to your heart? Wow, closer to the heart. What do you think, Jennifer? Oh, 
Closer to the heart. Wow, that makes me really excited. What do you think? Don't bring me into this. (laughs) We have so many celebrities here. It's fucking insane. Out the door. Out the door. We haven't even scratched the surface. Wait till he's knocking up behind the door. We're rejecting people. Like (laughs) Buck Flower, get the hell out of here. Goddamn Becker Woods. So, Adam, which of the two films, uh, Texas Chainsaw Massacre remake or House of Thousand Corpses, which is closer to your heart? You know, it's crazy. Like, I've never in my life would have would have thought somebody would ask me, which of these movies would you kill? <laughs> House of Thousand Corpses or the Texas Chainsaw Massacre remake? Never could you ever have told me that. Um, so, so it's not like something we all think about, right? I, I would say I would uh, – I think I'm going to keep the remake. Oh, we're not taking it oh, yeah, away no, yet. Which is closer, closer to your heart? The remake. The remake. Yeah. The remake. The remake. Yeah. I've watched it. I will say I've seen. I've probably watched House of Thousand Corpses more because of my stupid seventeen-year-old self, but I've enjoyed my time watching the Texas Chainsaw Massacre remake more. That is one hundred percent fair because there's yeah. movies that I've seen a lot, but and what and movie versus movies that I maybe seen twice yeah. that I like. Significantly more than just the two times. That well, you're probably like I know you guys are both probably like me now. When you get older, you rewatch stuff a little less, unless it's in theaters. You might watch something twice in theaters, but like I'm less likely to go back and unless it's like you know some like Underworld we just talked about. Sure. I did just rewatch it uh, to make sure it was so fucking good. Uh, but like, <laughs> there's some of these films that I'm like I remember fondly, but I don't really care to rewatch. I, I will someday, but like. It's just there's so much content we have yeah. for the first time in our lives, you know, for, for people like us who've chased so many titles and never been able to find them. And now, like, they're coming out oh, of the Jesus grave God. and, oh, and you're like, you're like still backlogged on so much shit. That it's you've never been able to your access. catalog. Yeah. That it it's hard. When, whereas, like, I feel like when we're all like 15 to 25 or, or whatever in that range, you're just you, you repeat stuff pretty it's often. Comfort. It's comfort. Mm-hmm. I Absolutely. think you, I think you get over 30. You're like, fucking no time to expand. Genius. Uh, I remember coming out of Texas Chainsaw Massacre movie in the theater going, that movie was pretty fucking good. And I remember coming out of Thousand Corpses going, eh, yeah, all right. First 20 minutes is great. I remember upon this rewatch thinking, like, oh, that fucking remake was pretty good. And then Thousand Thousand Corpses, <laughs> yeah, that first, minute, first 20 minutes was the best part of the movie. So, because nothing has changed, closer to the heart, I'm going to go Texas Chainsaw Massacre. That is totally fair. And yeah, this one, I did see both of them in the theater. Uh, House of Thousand Corpses was the more superior theatrical experience thanks to the lady and her kids. But I'm kind of looking almost at the totality of the franchise is that they both spawned, uh, be it the Texas Chainsaw and House of a Thousand. I go back to Texas Chainsaw, and I think it's the variety of the films, the fact that some are goofier than others, and the fact there's just this overall meanness yeah. with a lot of the Rob Zombie stuff. So, yeah, I am also going to yeah, go and, closer and to like the heart with that one. franchise is like... That franchise you speak of is like I don't even know if he w- he w- I don't even know if he wants to consider it a franchise. And tech, I mean, granted, it's a trilogy at this point. You can say not yeah, necessarily a franchise, but they're like pointedly like this is where I think he has that Tarantino thing where he sure. he's like, well, this one's my Texas Chainsaw anthology. This is my kind of spaghetti seventies room. Yeah. yeah, this is, and then the the last one, three from hell. Did I even see that? I, I have not watched that one either because of reputation. Well, here's the thing: I watched thirty one, and I actually thought they were the same movie until right now. Uh, yeah, that's what is Three from Hell about? What kind, that's of, where what they kind go, of film is that? They though? break out of prison. They go. Uh, they cross the border down to Mexico. You know what kind of movie it's supposed to be? Like trying to another seventies dirty road movie. Yeah. So yeah. I don't know. That's uh, that's it's it's what Rob Zombie knows. It's what Rob Zombie knows. Now yeah. that being said, yep. in two thousand and three, if we were to remove one of these films from that year, one of them would probably. Leave that year worse off or poor. So I'm going to ask you, Adam, 
which of the two films, if we were to remove, would leave 2003 worse off? Uh, fuck. I, I, uh, so as a whole for every movie or just for horror? Just for those two. Just for those two. Like the impact, though, right? The impact on horror in 2003. So I actually think... If we if we didn't have the Texas Chainsaw Massacre remake that year, and if it didn't do so well, it would have probably not given us the Friday Thirteenth remake, which mm-hmm. would be a bad thing in my opinion. Mm-hmm. And I don't think we would have probably because the the success of those kept the ball rolling forward mm-hmm. uh, to something great like Evil Dead. Uh, Ooh, so I yeah. think Texas Chainsaw Massacre is more important because it allowed those other remakes to happen for better or for worse. Sure, there's a lot of not great ones in there, but also you have some gems in there like. Uh, Fucking uh, uh, House of Wax, bitch. House of Wax was dope. That was a dope remake. Uh, it's, it's more I mean, of a remake. There's, a, there's, a, lot of, there's yeah. a lot of good ones in there uh, that all, I think House of Wax is, is like a couple years 2005, after. 2005, I believe. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, specifically, that probably is not getting made if this doesn't know. fucking just crush it. I think a lot of movies, uh, I think the world isn't changed by House of a Thousand Corpses because it didn't get released for two years. Yeah, that's it, true. Ne- it never, there never became like this, like, um, I don't know, for better or worse, like 70s white trash boom of films being made. Uh, I'm sure there was a couple copycats after. I can't really someone will, remember. Someone will hit you up on Twitter. Yeah. Genius. Uh, as much as he is not my favorite, I think he, I think Rob Zombie is a lot of people's favorites. Mm-hmm. I think what he's done, not necessarily for genre, but giving these old school character actors another time to shine. I think there's something to be said for that. And for that, I'm going to go with House of a Thousand Corpses. Genius, get out of my head. Because in my notes, I have the reason that House of a Thousand Corpses gets my vote is because it gave us the resurgence of one Sid Haig. And for so many people to discover his work, they no doubt backtracked to the real right. green, greasy and grimy 70s road movies that he was a character actor in down in like the Philippines and shit. And to the day he passed away was just so just embraced giving and by, embraced yeah. by the genre. So I'm also going to give House of a Thousand Corpses my vote, but it doesn't matter. Hey, do you know uh, what's what House of a Thousand Corpses does really well? And I still think today, like, and maybe, maybe other Rob Zombies have done this, but House Thousand Corpses soundtrack has insert like dialogue inserts All the from, stuff it. from it. Yeah, it actually plays better in that format or of an audio. Mm-hmm. Yeah, with like the music he wrote because the music is actually really good. The original songs are really good. The all the soundtrack songs actually, he picked and the, the dialogue good. inserts actually work much better than the film itself. I think the soundtrack is fucking A+. Flash Gordon did the same thing as well, where they incorporated dialogue cues where you can follow the movie by listening to that. But sadly, we didn't talk about the soundtrack. So uh, I guess uh, revving up and uh, just ripping its way into the round of the Hateful Eight, we have the Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Do your thing, cuz. <laughs> we'll get there. We'll get there. <laughs> and leads us to our last matchup here in the round of the Scream 16. We have... We went from a, a very similar kind of bracketed matchup to to- totally different a wild card. Matchup. Very much wild card as we have Final Destination 2 going up against High Tension. Adam, which do we talk about first? Um, Let's do uh, Final Destination 2. Fuck ah. that movie. <laughs> FD2. So question, and we've discussed it plenty. How have you uh, changed your driving habits because of this film? Has it altered um, you in any way? Okay. This movie has, for everybody here, 
nobody gets behind a fucking uh, log truck and doesn't think <laughs> I'm fucking dead right now. If you've seen this film, exactly. Um, yeah. I just wanted to make sure that I'm correct, and I was correct, that this is the uh, the, the director's first film before this um, was the 1996 hit film Homeward Bound 2, Lost in San Francisco. Wow, that's range. That is range. That's range. There was no logging accident truck on that movie. No. I remember Sally Field as a kitty cat and Michael J. Fox as a dog, but that's about it. There wasn't Tony Todd. Voodoo. Magic. Now, uh, that, I have no doubt, would have made that film that much better with were, Tony Todd. He was a turtle. <laughs> Death looms for us all. Because back in 86, he was in Platoon. Mm-hmm. So he was already starting to Genre, carve his yeah. little thing as a character actor. Because I was like, who is that guy back there with a... God, that's a horror film. Platoon is fucked up. The Horrors of War. It's been a minute since I've seen it, but that fucking thing stayed with me for From a long time. The recreation of like the, the, the My Lai Massacre to the ending. Oh, my God. That's terrifying. But Final Destination 2, I assume... Did you see it in the theater? I saw it in the theater. I, I saw the first one in the theater, too. First one, I uh, loved the first one. Um, first one felt fresh. Mm-hmm. Um, this one, uh, I, I think we're all excited because this was like... First one was 2000. 2000. Um, so if you, if you want to know, yes, I, I did sneak into that <laughs> R-rated oh, film. Oh, little young 15-year-old Adam. Yeah. For shame. <laughs> um, I did sneak my ass into that movie, um, and I, I loved it, and I thought it was great. And, and I think... The, like the first one is such a fun movie. Um, you know, we had the. I, I grew up in the weirdest part of horror, which was like the '90s, like totally all over the place, like fucking mostly trash movies. And then like Scream happened, and then there was a lot of chasing the Scream. And then by 2000, we were trying to figure out like, okay, what's post Scream? How do we take the teen thing and twist it to to something that's not a slasher movie? Because they're not start, they're not starting not to work anymore. Right. And uh, and then this the first one happened, which was a good twist. It was like, well, what if you survive, can cheat death uh, and teens cheat death? And, and then I think that was cool. And then they're like, uh, this started like what was like the most 2000 shit, which was like a, a race between Final Destination and Saw to make a movie every year, basically. And that's kind of what was happening with these two franchises. But uh, but they were they were able to do it because they were like short. It didn't matter that they're cookie cutters. You put a new fucking cast characters. Oh, sure. There's sure. not really, you know, there was very few legacy crossovers. You had a couple between films, uh, but most, you know, most often not you were going to die. Or Tony Todd, I guess, would be your crossover for most of them. Uh, but I remember this one, and I remember being blown away, like, how the fuck did they do that log scene? And I also remember getting the fucking DVD, which had a, a live DVD feature. Do you remember being able to connect to the internet on the DVD? Yes. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. New <laughs> DVD live. Yeah. And Download I, features I not that. seen in stores. This fucking all, all the weird Warner uh, New Line Cinema uh, horror releases because Fray vs. Jason had it and this one had yeah. it. Yeah. And they also had those shiny cases, like mm-hmm. fucking hologram. The they were not, they weren't even hol- yeah, they're platinum <laughs> series and go D- DVD live and shit. So I remember I remember a lot about this and all the d- deleted scenes on this movie. Weirdly, remember uh, that's like a weird core memory with specifically <laughs> with this movie because of the case and shit. Of course, uh, but I, but so I do, I remember the logging, the case of this, the DVD live of it all, uh, and I don't remember quite m- much of the premise. But we did watch it at the theater a couple years ago for one of our horror roulettes with an audience, and I think uh, the movie was not as good as we thought. We all remember it being like the best fr- uh, Final Destination, and I think we all just really liked the logging se- scene in it, and it is still really fucking good. Yeah. Um, it's just not quite actually the first movie is it's really fucking solid. If you haven't watched Final Destination one in a minute, 
It's solid as shit. The Sawasance, baby. Um, Let's get on funny board. though, that's the bad thing about these Final Destination movies. Like you said, they're everybody's kind of disposable characters and yeah. stuff. You don't remember much other than the but God kill. damn, do the kills make me laugh? Like in part one, when she's like, "Well, I'm not gonna get hit by a bus." <laughs> I just cracked up. That little kid. Hey, there's pigeons. <laughs> that little kid blowing, getting blown up by uh, propane oh, the, the and the pain. hand falling down. <laughs> I mean, to this day, still, I remember cackling in the theater and <laughs> cackling at this because, like you said, it was a race to see yeah. with the Saw, but it was never for like, ooh, I wonder if this story is gripping. It's always no, like, no one cares. Like, like what, what Saw was like, entertain how me. fucked yep. up of a Let's trap can how, we make, right? And, and yep. On this one, and this how is how fucked up of a death how, can we what, make? What kind of Rube Goldberg device yeah, can right. we kill you with? What can we make you afraid of? Let's see, we've <laughs> got Na- NASCAR yeah. and vlogging trucks, bridges. And bridges well, it was, and it was always like, oh, this fucking marble that you see in the shot is eventually going to roll down and hit this pair of scissors which is going to cut the <laughs> curtains which is going to fall into the fireplace fireplace is going to let the curtain on fire but that's not what you're really worried about what you're really worried about is that the gas can just fell on you in the in the fucking thing <laughs> and you don't know the fire is happening and you're going to slip on it and catch yourself on fire or, or you're going to slip on something and Something's gonna hit another thing out of another room. Yeah. A fork is gonna come flying. And the and banana gonna, you threw in the thing in the morning that we saw earlier. But it's gonna miss you, and you think, okay, cool, I'm good. And then meanwhile, out of the blue, a bear comes out of nowhere and fucks <laughs> you up. Just no be- bear, no, no bear, no, like a cocaine bear. Because that's the great thing about it. it's wild kills, but it's also the bait and switch. Yeah. yeah. And that's what I fucking love about the Final Destination, especially in part two, because yeah. you think. Like, oh, she's going to get impaled by that hook, by that the guy in the elevator. Oh, no, she's going to get hung by that. No. Oh, she's going to get her fucking head ripped off by the elevator. I was not ready for that. That was tough. In fact, that's just it. All it's the practical kills that happen, and it's the red herrings. There is something beautiful about it's that. It's just really fun, right? It like, is. Fun dis- but, I mean, it is the definition of, like, popcorn entertainment. Yes. Where, where I, was, I would say... To, to while I was saying there was some competition going on, I don't know if they would even have seen that, but there was certainly like you're trying to figure out traps and kills. We're trying to figure out Rube Goldberg and kills. <laughs> so they were and they were churning these fucking things out over the course of a decade. I will say the difference between the two is I think Saw actually for for which is sh- shocking to, unless you re- rewatch them because they were coming out so quick you kind of forget. But I, I rewatched them all together and I'm like fuck. Almost all these movies fit really well together yeah, except for one stories. film. And they all like connect really well and mm-hmm. have like emotional resonance and are like shockingly well put together for a long you know, ten films of story. Yeah. Nine films of story. Even the like the one today, you're like, fuck it, or the one that came out like a year ago, and you're like, it still works and fits in and it's smartly done. Whereas the Final Destination films are like, we have no greater purpose than this. We're just fucking cash cows, bitch. Teens <laughs> teens must die and they must die and uh, you know, going down an escalator and getting stuck, just like Kevin Smith said they would. Uh like they all it has to be uh has to be like just a high body count kit. We don't we don't need re- yeah. fucking stories and characters. We just need the the initial setup, which I kind of appreciate, right? And exactly, I'm yeah. I'm a hundred percent with you on both of those things. I love the saw aspect because a lot of people are like, oh, it's just traps. I'm like, no, no, no. It's- I've been a fan since day one of Saw, and I'm telling people. It's a horror crime because it's a full overarching story. I mean, with the same characters and it weaves itself well. And Final Destination is the tonal opposite because aside from one and the last one, all the other ones can just put in any other other way, shape, form, all that. And again, they're two totally different things, but they worked so well. And especially oh, yeah. with the Final Destination versus the Saw. I wish it was Final Destination versus, versus Saw. Saw. We yeah. could talk oh, about wouldn't now. Wouldn't that be some shit? That'd be great. But but when it came to Final Destination, it was always 
those movies were so entertaining. Like you said, oh, yeah. it's almost the equivalent of um, Roman Colosseum. We're not there for gripping story for the Roman plays yeah. and the thespians. We're there at the Colosseum to see people fucking die. You know, here's we want to see how they die in the best way possible. There's there's apparently a new one. Uh, I don't know if it's a remake reboot. I think I'm sure it is in some way. The new I know, Final Destination. I know it's one? coming yeah. in some way, shape, or form. But what I hope it is. And t- tell me how much fun this would be. Just like it's a wild shot in the dark, uh, but imagine a Final Destination movie, okay? Kind of in a weird way from the perspective of death, played by Johnny Knoxville in the format of a Jackass film. Hi, I'm Johnny Knoxville, and welcome to Death. Today we're gonna do the uh, Prattfall stunt, right? And all of a sudden, like, and they get struck by bulls. I was thinking, I would no, like so, to see. So, no, no, even better. So it'd be like, it'd be like. It'd be like we're, we're going to design this fucking kill, and then you'd see it fucking play. Like we don't even have to. It just it, I, I imagine him as like, like almost like a 20, faces of death 12, guide. Yeah, Twelve fucking things hosted by, by by fucking death. Like here's my greatest hit, greatest hits of the year. Well, it needs to be by Kevin McAllister. <laughs> oh, shit. death needs to be Macaulay Culkin, the kid so from. He's uh, over there, like you guys give up? Or are you ready for more? Meanwhile, there's carnage behind him. Team him up with Fool and the kid from Dial Code Santa Claus, and you got yourself your film. Mm-hmm. Wow. No, but Final Destination is always, again, just it, fun. They are fun. fun. They are definitely fun on that what side. What do you think, Greg? What's that? What's your What's your thoughts here? What I, 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 listen, I like Final Destination 2. I like the franchise, and I think it is because, genius, as Genius said, it is the Grand Guinol yeah. of the films. I'm not going for story. I'm going for the creativity of the kills. I'm going for the practicality of the kills. I'm going for the set pieces. And Final Destination 2, even though it does... Like all of them, it sets the bar high because it's always that opening incident yes. that kicks everything off. But from the number of kills that we get in this one, and the fact that um, isn't one of the cats in there from Living Single? Yeah, if I remember right. Yeah, where I was the, like TK. Yeah, uh, TK, his friend. Like, well, we're not going like, to do that. I was like, holy shit! So even little bits like that, where you can include those kind of cat, I'm all in. So yeah, this was a nice rewatch. And just going back to Final Destination. I cackled at this movie yeah. multiple times. Just yeah. <laughs> But again, upon this rewatch, I'm sitting there white-knuckled watching the entire, op- th- the entire opening scene. No levity, no fun. No. I'm just sitting there like, fucking this is too real. And then <laughs> all the other kills after that, I'm like, ah, stupid kid. <laughs> I- I have an inkling to rewatch all these films now. So there's mm-hmm. only five. It feels like there's more than five, but five is still a lot, I guess, because they made them in like the course of a well, five ten is, years. Five's the one. Is it five or six that? Five is the one that goes back. Yeah. Yeah. Spoiler alert: the very ending of that makes you go, "Holy shit!" I loved it. I loved that yeah. uh, that little bait and I'm like, "Oh, bravo!" <laughs> right? I was like, I was not expecting it to be a, a cylindrical loop, yep. yeah. which is kind of cool. Like, because there's constant loop of death. But what I would love to see them take the franchise, I would like to see them go in the past. And I'm not talking about like 2000, like beginning. Like I would 1950. Yes, I would love to oh, see God. some deaths. I oh, no, fuck it, 1850. Let's do Civil better. War shit, I would baby. love to see different from moving forward. Sure. I would love to see each Final Destination in a different time period. Deaths designed by decades. Exactly. Deaths by the decades. Get it. my ass in well, but that's the theater. Too, that'd be too easy for the Crusades. Everybody's already dying because of like the plague. And yeah. so, oh, oh, he doesn't hey. even need to do Rube Goldberg. How about this? Space Station. Do it. Even Let's in the future. Oh, no, no, no. Right now in the space station. I, I'm oh, shit. all for it. I would love to see pirates. 
I would love to see like Death in the Time of Pirates. Like love Master it. and Commander, the Final Destination. Yeah, Final Destination and Scurvy. I would like to see it too. Yeah, but you can't chicken. Yeah, that, that, that's the fucking movie. It's like, oh well, no, it's just fucking uh, you yeah. know normal ass bacteria just, gonna yeah. kill them. It's just gonna fuck them up for real slow, you know. Flesh eating the virus. It's that, just gonna be a slow death. That's fruit for death. That's it's playing like, the long uh, game. Like, uh, uh, his final destination. That's when he's like, that's his vacation. Like, I'm gonna exactly padding stats, grinding for you video gamers. How about this final destination? But it's also a bug's life, so it's like a bu- it's all bugs because oh, like they they are all always living in the final destination, you know. Like that's, that's true. Raid, right? Or it's like a cat trying to cross the street, a busy highway. The final destination, Ooh, no, no, the final cat destination. Come on, man. Oh yeah, that, no, that's, the line. <laughs> that's the line. That's the line. All right, no, all right, wait, it could be squirrels. It could be squirrels. Okay, squirrels. So from a, right. a movie, they gave us a lot of levity. Well, I want to see a final destination directed by Timo. Oh, that's Ooh. cool. Oh, I would oh, love to Jesus. see. I would love to see some other directors. I'm not just saying some of the directors yeah. that I hear that. But I would love to see some of like international directors and some of the ones that we know. Like what death, what constructions they can come up oh, with. I would God. love to see a Cronenberg. Oh, can final you imagine? I'm imagining what Timos would Crash. be like if, if like. <laughs> If like Stump a sub a, a subway or something derailed or crashed or something, oh, yeah. and like you're trying to figure, once you figure out the, the the order of people that are gonna die and like what, what people are turning, have we ever we had never had a movie where they're like trying to kill each other to survive, right? In the last one, he one did of them was like, oh yeah, I'm gonna if, if I, I kill fucking you, kill you, it skips. saves yeah. me. Yeah, so, I would but, like to see Timo do it though, because because oh. it, it, it's a, it, I forgot to tell you, it's the movie, it's this actual, it's the, the Final Destination directed by Timo, but it's also the Bullet Train. <laughs> Death comes. So for it's us. all assassins yeah. and shit. I'm I would down. love to watch oh, that. I'm down. I would people. love to see more people take the take their ti- dip their toe in the Final Destination It'd waters. It'd be kind of rad, yeah, just to kind of you know see how creative you can get. Mm-hmm. I like that. I like that. Well, again, going from a movie that had levity to a movie that has very little levity. Uh, French Extremities, Aja, Alexander's High Tension. Or Hot Tension. Hot Tension. Or uh, Switchblade Romance. Romance, yes. Yeah, which is what I was going to say. I know this movie first as a a booted copy that I got. Uh uh, Well, that we watched at a guy's house I didn't even know. And uh, he's like, I have this uh, French film called Switchblade Romance. So you went to a friend friend of a friend's house to watch this movie? Uh, And there was like like 12 or so of us watching this movie, uh, Switchblade Romance. Um, And it was on a burned DVD. And we watched it. And it was like, holy fuck, this movie is insane to watch. And I can't. It's been so long. and, And I can't really discern the differences too much between the theatrical and the uncut because i think i've mostly watched the uncut it's i don't think there's a lot i think it's just maybe just a little bit less gore sure. maybe a little I less think there's weirdly smack. like a different scene like a whole different scene in it somewhere but like the it, the unrated i think is better yeah because i, I think there's like being i think there's like there's a, a couple big chunks cut out and i think maybe a little more explanation is yeah, in the unrated version. Remember. um but yeah I remember also there was the roller coaster of hot tension. We're all on the same one here, which we're like, this movie's fucking insane. And it's going up and up and up and it's getting crazier and crazier, and crazier. And then, and then there's this fucking twist. And you're like, why the fuck did that happen in this movie? And you're like, why did that happen? And then uh, the movie ends. You're like, well, that everything was incredible except for the weird, unnecessary twist. Like, I guess someone watched Fight Club last week and was just like, what if we uh, did the same type of twist for no, but, but for no reason. And I've heard that it wasn't uh, Aja's uh, original ending, that it was the producer's really? ending. So that, that like the original film played out normal uh, with no twists. Um, so, so we can just say it without spoiling the film. Like, studio no twists. interference there, that there was possibly. just Yeah, that there was somebody else 
uh, at the behest of somebody else, which which kind of makes sense because it doesn't quite add up. It just kind of happens. I gotta disagree. I like the twist. I remember. I remember seeing. I went to Studio Thirty, Strangland, Strangland to see this movie, and I remember thinking. That was a nice twist. I liked yeah. it. Well, the, here's the question, though. Do you think we are still talking about it if it doesn't have the twist? I, I think there's. Uh -huh. a, yes, the movie oh, is yeah. too good. It's oh, too, yeah. it's too well made. And I think because one, it's this was the maybe not the end all be all example of French extremity. This isn't like the thesis statement, but for America, this is. Yeah, I think this is what one that actually opened the doors to like, hey, there's this movement going on in France <laughs> with some fucked up <laughs> shit. <laughs> and I, I think l whether you love it or hate it, you can't deny the twist ending. It sticks in your brain and that just the brutality that's of some of the kills sticks in your brain. Well, too. the fact that we had a chance to screen this over at Tapcade back mm -hmm. in the day and i think it actually played multiple times as mm -hmm. it's almost like i'm not saying family friendly french extremity but, but it seems almost like gateway one. yeah like if you're going to go into french extremity here's what you start you with. can show normies while they might not dig it you can show normies high tension significantly <laughs> easier than you can show martyrs yeah or frontiers right or or inside yeah so question uh just in terms of kind of the journey again based on that um what are your more contemporary feelings than Adam on high tension. Um, I still feel the same about I don't love the ending. I think I think I just imagine how much stronger the film would be if. So I, I won't spoil it, but like you you can you can literally if you cut out like a a fucking single scene in the movie, there's some the the movie just plays straight. Mm -hmm. And I think playing it straight would have been better. I don't know. I I just don't think it needed it, and it feels like unnecessary for where the. the for what the movie is. Sure. Right? It doesn't need this extra layer of anything. And if anything, it makes it, like, less impactful. It's like waking up from a dream at the end of a movie. It's just like, well, what's... I don't I don't, I don't hate it. It's just like, it just really didn't need it. Um, I do remember... Uh, so I, I looked up real quick. It was in America. And here's why I, I also saw it in theaters. Because it had been, like, two years later before it got a, th a theatrical release by Lionsgate... Uh, the bad, the biggest worst thing. So they did truncate a lot of deaths. Um, so it was severely edited down. But the big thing is they only did dubbed, and it was it's not a it was not a good dub. Oh. I remember it being in English when okay. I saw it. So it was cut down um, to R rating like pretty significantly, but it was also dubbed. And I saw it as a as a subtitled film and un unrated. And so I was like, this is just it just like the. It may have been like the first time I'd ever watched a dub movie before. That's fair. That's I think fair. it might have been like because I that, I would have been seventeen, and I I don't know if there was a big movie before that that I would have saw that would have been dubbed. Sure. Right. Uh, I think I would always watch the subtitled versions, um, but I like this movie. I mean, it was, uh, I, I also remember all the controversy when it came out. Everybody was like, "Well, in the room, people were like, this is the fucking Dean Coons book." Uh, intensity which is like pretty verbatim i guess in the from the first hour really like so much that like he could have sued, sued and probably won really? but he was, i guess he was like so like this movie is a piece of trash and if i sue and win this lawsuit people are gonna <laughs> say my book is this trash so he didn't even want to be associated with it i mean Damn. to be fair the movie didn't make any money really well in america i'm glad stephen king's got a lot of uh, a lot of FaceTime here in this madness tournament i'm glad dean koontz is getting his fair dean share koontz. oh koontz and and i will, I will say i did remember like i was like well how serious how is it how similar is it and if you read the like i'd say first 
three or four chapters of intensity, it is the exact beginning of this movie. I mean, it is fucking hmm. exactly the like fucking With skull fucking and everything. Same shit basically Christ. happens. Well, of course, like not as extreme in some moments, but like sure. it's it's the setup of beat by beat is pretty pretty much there, and the cat and mouse stuff. But the, uh, I mean, this movie is. So originally, I mean, you get a, a, a brand new voice, right? And in the year 2003, I'd have to look at all the lineup, but I would say he's Alexander Josh, probably one of the only people that's made more than six films and has a, a long gestating career and continues to make great films. Oh, oh Crawl. Yeah. Crawl um, was great. Yeah. Crawl so was I, per, the Piranha so remake? Good. And he's Adam, really Adam, good. I had to cheat on you oh, I didn't show to it. go see Crawl. And I felt bad you doing it. You don't have to. Che- I didn't show it because I don't remember. I think that it was a summertime release and there was too many things at the yeah. time or some shit. Yeah. And also, like, uh, there's movies like that. How many movies like Crawl have we all seen that are just trash? That's just it. I only went because of Can Aja's we all remember name. the movie Rogue? Because that movie sucked. That's the uh, Is that the Australian? That's the Crocodile one. Uh, right? Crocodile, crocodile one. Yeah. I, there's, there's, that's just it, though. It's kind of like at that point there were numerous like Rogue killer crocs yeah dude Rogue it, pissed me off did that one rub you wrong cuz i was like it was the, a trailer wasn't it it was or like bait this and switch? is about the most profile killer in, in african history yep. he's killed over 50,000 people and it's still out there i'm like fuck yeah right <laughs> it's crocodile like fucking crocodile it's not even a giant crocodile and and, and it's a broad statement not just this crocodile just crocodiles crocodiles right crocodiles and it's not yeah, even a giant crocodile it's not even crawl crocodile you know, it's just a fucking regular ass crocodile. So just a croc a shite. Croc a shite. Yeah. As it is. Croc a croc. Well, apparently a journey was taken on both of these films, but only yeah. one can journey again into the round of the hateful eight. So I'm gonna ask Adam, Final Destination two or high tension, which is closer to oh your boy. heart? Oh boy. So like I-, I thought this was gonna be like in- when you told me the movies, I was like, this is no brainer, it's high high tension. It's hard, isn't it? Why when you get in the mic, you think you think you're gonna have it yep. one way, but then you start listening and thinking that's your own thing. You're like, wait, yeah. fucking, I'm lost. So the last one, I think, it made more sense because uh, for me, like where, what it did, and I think Alexander Jaws got a better career than the guy who did Homeward Bound Two, Lost in uh, San Francisco. Um, but it's not always about that. Something mm. I think, I think the legacy is an important aspect to films, and why I love attention i don't think it's it's like in the it's in the top five of like french new extremity but it's probably number five mm-hmm. um i would guess but then final destination kicked off a franchise it's great popcorn entertainment there's something to be said about popcorn entertainment and the lack of especially in the last like decade this current decade like how little we have of like popcorn horror when it's so self-serious that i think i'm gonna say uh think i'm gonna say but then i rewatched it and then <laughs> what does your heart say what's close i'm gonna to say it? high tension i think okay. i was clo- i was getting close to final destination 2 but i think that uh, you know although it did change my fucking life and all i do is think about so mm. I, literally I, I would say once a week i think about final destination 2 yeah Again, it's found its way. But does into... that mean it's a good movie? Because there's probably fucked up things I think about all the time that I'm like, that are like. Oh, there's a lot of fucked up things that I think about know, all the time, that, but that I don't really blame it on movies. Well, no, there are probably like well, fucked up things movies. I think that aren't like good, like uh, right. they're, they're, like good movies or good music that, that I think about all the time, like lines and songs and shit. That I'm like, why do I think about that all the time? Subjectivity, baby. Baby Shark popped in my head oh, the other day. And God that... damn it. And it's like, I've never even heard Baby Shark, but I know it and <laughs> I, I hear it, it in my thought and mm-hmm. my brain of brains. Don't don't hum it. I don't know God it. God so damn it. I, so, so there's part of me that thinks like, I don't know, should I 
say Final Destination because I think about it all the time. That's close to your heart, but it's not close to my heart. I don't think I'm gonna say high tension because that opening opening 25 minutes is just ruthless and perfect. (laughs) Yeah, it it really is. It's 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 so brutal and mean. There's nothing. Yeah, there's nothing in in Final Destination two that's that directed that perfectly. Yeah, that is quite cat and mouse shit. You know, right? Okay, so closer to my heart, I've always fucking enjoyed High Tension, and I've always enjoyed Final Destination 2. Um, but I live my life by horror rules, so going by closer to the heart, I ha- I run into logging trucks significantly more than I do French girls. And so I'm going to, because I try to avoid logging trucks... I'm and I live again horror rules. I'm gonna go with Final <laughs> Destination because that fucking thing stayed with me. It still stays with you. I lo- really like both of these films. I really do. However, I I kind of have to be in the right mood for high tension just because mm. of the brutality and everything. But I can be in any kind of mood for Final Destination too, and I do enjoy Will laughing. You be horny and watch that movie? I, absolutely, absolutely, Get, dude. It's got a lot of logs. Larder. Holly Larder, that's oh, what yeah. it is. It's got Holly Larder. She's yeah, so she's the first and, one though. And uh, no, she's in the second one. Uh, let she's me in make the first it, one too, right? Let me, yeah, yeah, she's the cross. Yeah, she's, she's the, the only cross. Let me make character. it clear for you on that. Yeah, yeah I gotta go. I gotta go with Final Destination two as well. Now, that being said, fuck. I know. If you look at 2003 and you were to take away one of these films, which one would leave 2003 worse off? Adam, we're going to start so with So my reasoning for last time uh, was that the the domino effect. If we didn't if the success of that didn't carry forward, I think if 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 high tension isn't an international success, right? Um, and it wasn't made and didn't get out there, I I don't think we can't guarantee that Alexander Zha would have ever made a movie, which would have taken away quite quite a good things like Piranha remake, which is so fucking Piranha good. Dope. Uh, and uh, there's just there's too many, I think. And fucking The Hills Have Eyes remake, which is fucking mm-hmm. great. Two sucked. I didn't like two. Yeah, but he, like did, he did one. He didn't do two. Yeah, yeah. One uh, was great. And then uh, um, the, the movie we just talked about, The Crocodile Crawl. So if we don't, if he doesn't succeed here. I think he's a more important fixture. And I think that movie uh, gives us more new French extremity because of mm-hmm. its international mm-hmm. acclaim and success. Um, so that's got to stay on that one for me because I think Final Destination, without that, we would have still had most of the films we would have had in the 2000s and now, and and life uh, moved on. But Aja <laughs> gave us such a variety and yeah. new extremity you know, getting popularized and more of those made after that film because of that. 2003, I mean, 2005, I mean, 2004, five, and six had a lot of fucking new, new Adam, French Adam, films. Stop looking at my notes. God damn it. Just get, get, okay. stop looking. Stop looking. Genius. So I originally was going to come up with Final Destination 2 as what's important because there's something to be said that if you can change the driving habits of over a million people <laughs> with one movie and that movie make it stay in your mind. Oh, trust me. Every time you drive behind a logging cart, you want to get the fuck out of there as quick as possible. All right? So I think that put a new fear of things into people. There has to be something to said about that. But without high tension, like you said, without the success of it, I think the American masses wouldn't be introduced to the French New Extremity. Mm -hmm. And I think without Alejandro Aja's 
movie with this one taken gone, we wouldn't have Piranha. We mm. wouldn't have Crawl. We wouldn't have some Ooh, of the Mears. other movies that I he, fucking like Mirrors. Some of the movies that he's produced because he's mm. produced a lot yeah. of horror movies, a yeah. lot of good ones. And so I have to give for which ones would make the beer poorer. I got to go with high tension on that one. Genius. Stop looking at my notes. Both of you guys, there is nothing to be gained by cheating because, yeah. Uh, you know, with Final Destination 2, we still got the OG. Because we have the OG, we would have gotten a Eventually, sequel inevitably. Yep. Would it be as good as Final Destination 2? Possibly. Would Probably it change not, driving? Right? Maybe, maybe right. not. But without high tension, yeah, we don't get um, Piranha, The Hills of Eyes, um, Crawl. We don't get... That gateway into so many effed up movies, I it for me it martyrs. is yeah oh god martyrs, yeah so that is getting my vote and by a count of four to two twist ending its way into the round of the hateful eight we have high tension which means our matchup in the hateful eight is the Texas Chainsaw Massacre remake going up against high tension oh shit slasher versus slasher that's fairly appropriate fairly appropriate and and, and in two thousand. I, again, Whoa. I think it works. I think it works. Yeah. So we could not have gotten there without the help of one Adam Roberts. Adam, thank you for this. You guys, you guys are doing the real hard work here. I mean, you're doing a, a whole bracket here and cutting these down is uh, no easy feat, I would say. Ah. Well, that's why we have others to take in and absolve us from some of the blame on everything well, that comes I don't through. Think, I think we did the right thing here. Oh, yes. I think both these deserve to go forward. I agree. Admittedly. My vote did change on the leaving the world poor based on our conversation. See, I had, I like I said, I had times. Final Destination yep. down yep. as the leaving poor, but mine was, yeah. So, so that being said, uh, we are going to take a brief break, and when we come back, we're going to be closing out the year of two thousand three with one of our favorite horror couples. We'll be right back. Is he a great big fair person? All right, welcome back. And uh, as we go from the round of the Scream 16 into the round of the Hateful Eight, uh, let us again thank Adam mm -hmm. from the Panic Film Festival. The Popa! <laughs> and let us say goodbye, farewell, and adieu. Peter's and goodbye. To both House of a Thousand Corpses and Final Destination 2. And let's face it, any other day, they could be the ones we're talking. Except House of a Thousand Corpses. <laughs> we'll get into that a little bit more. <laughs> <laughs> now, Genius, uh, as we close one door, we open up another one. We open up with the sledgehammer is what we open it up with. Damn right you do. In fact, our next guest, uh, they, they are talking lots and lots of horror, uh, whether it's someone's first horror film. Mm -hmm. Maybe they're talking about an ending to a film that we didn't see coming, or maybe it's a top ten film list of some sort. Please welcome back to Nightmare Junkhead and Into the Mouth of March Madness, our favorite couple in horror, Ashley and Ken Sledge. Hello. How's it going, guys? Dude, welcome back, guys. Always always yeah, a blast to talk that. to you guys. We're going to break the fourth wall here real quick. Uh, my beautiful wife, Ashley, has been violently ill all day. And she was like, I don't give a shit. I've had three kids. I am coming on and I am doing this. So yeah. we are armed and ready with a trash can. We got some Gatorade. <laughs> it's, like, it's not that serious. It's not, are, we're not that deep. We are. <laughs> we're good. Hold on. 
She's got the she's got the like the alerts going on. The help! The, the bells. Help! 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 She hasn't fallen down and can't get up, man. She's got right? just an upset stomach. It's no, fine. She's it's a fine. fucking trooper. I'm gonna call her like Eddie, just like ah, just from Maiden, just yeah. just just rocking and rolling. She, you know what? The, Ashley, you're how fucking much you rad. Guys mean to her is she was just like, listen, we've been looking forward to this since you know yeah. we since last year. Like we, anytime we get the chance to work with you, gentlemen, it's seriously the biggest honor in the world. So there's nowhere else we'd rather be right now. Absolutely. Oh, oh. no, sincerely. And we, are you both sick? Are you guys on like drug medication right now for saying that nice <laughs> stuff? Like, like, are you guys like no, all I still up? have my glasses on, so I still don't know what you really look like. <laughs> uh, thanks for having us on here, James A. Janice. We love. <laughs> Let me go. Oh, welcome back to Sledgehammer. We're here talking to Sledgehammer. Hey now, hey now. I'm a fan. I'm a fan. I know. I'm just saying. <laughs> Whatever, they don't listen to us. <laughs> Do not bait him. He is not to be baited. That's, that's bait. We know better. I we thought know that better. he was the master, though. That's a different podcast altogether. Oh, Jesus. That's Nightmare Junkhead After Dark. That is After Dark. Uh, so before we can officially go truly mad here, please tell our listeners, where can they find you out on the social medias? Uh, please plug and promote away. Um, you can find us everywhere at Sledgehammer Horror, um, on Twitter at Sledgehammer Horror, H-O-R, um, and then Instagram, that same thing, Facebook, and YouTube.com slash Sledgehammer Horror. And the last time we were lucky enough to be on with you guys, we were talking our top 10 most anticipated of 2023. Mm-hmm. And I can already tell you, based on the new films we've talked about... So far, it's been a... Banner year. Banner year. In fact, some of them are ones that I wasn't anticipating that have made my list. So really quickly, one or two films that you guys have seen new that you've enjoyed. Um, if we're talking about overall, I think uh, Megan was mm. really, really good. Yes. Uh, Cocaine Bear was action-packed and hilarious. Um, I'm a huge, huge defender of the first two acts of Scream 6. I love Scream 6. I really like Scream Six, so. Oh, do we have a house I, I divided? It. Wait, a little bit, yeah. I liked it yeah. better than Five, actually. So, yeah. I liked it a lot better I than Five. Yeah. I, I had my issues with it overall. I think that no matter, I don't want to get spoilery here. <laughs> no matter who was under the mask in this movie, it was the most violent ghost face we've ever seen. Mm-hmm. That mm-hmm. that much I'll say. Whether it was a hero, a villain, it doesn't matter. Whoever was under that mask was brutal and I was all about it. it. It shocked me the brutality of that film and I was I was a very big fan of it. We have to talk about the um the TV show The, the Last, Last of, of Us. Us. Totally enjoyed that a lot. Really really dig it. Yes. Yeah, uh, I do a podcast on Last of Us with uh, another uh, podcaster, Mount Baldy, and we did the Lost of Last of Us, and it was a really good show. And I played yeah. the game, and I was coming from the game because I'm big fan of the game, so I'm over there not looking to be like, well, that's not game, because I'm always down yeah. for adaptations and things. But the way that they not only captured the essence, the spirit, and almost shot for shot remakes of the game, I thought it was just a just masterful stroke. Yeah. Where I'm going to disagree with you here, I don't think it was much like the game at all. Because when I played the game, Joel died like every 20 minutes. Yeah, that's so true. I'll give you that. More like the game, I need a lot more Joel death. If you're going to convince me you're making a true adaptation. Or there needs to be scenes where he's just looking up in circles and walking around in the same damn spots looking for ammo. Like, you need to convince me this is more like the game if you really want to go there. Or pushing Ellie on a cart because you can't swim. You know, right, just constantly. Right. And, like, trying to upgrade I, shit. 
I never played the game, so I wasn't like you know invested in the game. So mm-hmm. watching it with not like being a fan of the game, right. I I think I might have enjoyed it a lot more than people that are like diehard diehard fans of the game. But I will say real quick, Genius Greg, uh, for anybody that's listening that is ever trying to do a video game adaptation to screen to screen not me. Um, the Last of Us is how you do it. Oh yeah, yeah. I think this is one of the best video game adaptations I have ever seen. Um, I hope that the you know they're they're redoing a, a true sequel to the first Silent Hill film. I hope they stay more you know True Blood to that. I would love mm-hmm. to see like an Evil Within series. I think mm. that could be phenomenal. Um, I, when it comes to a video game adaptation, I can't remember one in the past that I've watched that I've genuinely Leonardo DiCaprio. Oh. Yeah. You know, every time I see something <laughs> from the game that's been brought to the screen. So absolutely. I think I think you're right, genius. I mean, all joking aside, there's a lot that they do in that uh, in the TV series that you directly see moments from the game portrayed mm-hmm. in. Yeah, shot for and shot. Those, the, the zombie, what do you the call clickers. it? The clickers. Those look badass. Oh, yeah, they so did. good. They look so good. And practical. Practical yes. was the best part of it. Yeah, so I, yeah. And bringing no. back the guy that voiced Joel, bringing back the the lady that voiced Ellie into the TV series, mm-hmm. I thought that was great. I thought like, so that too. was phenomenal. Like those are you know little things that we see and we hear, and we're like, ooh, mm-hmm. I like what you did there. It was it, it's, it's really good honor and respect to uh, pay those voice actors mm-hmm. who did yes. bring those li- those characters to life originally. I thought everything was handled extremely well, and probably one of the scariest moments that I had in 2023 so far far was um the beginning of the first two episodes those two little five minute interludes where they're talking where the one where he's talking about like oh i'm not worried about pandemics i'm worried about mushrooms and then he explains why and then the other one the little vignette where they're like doctor what do you think and she's like bomb the city now just don't just bomb the city now those whole things i'm just sitting there gripped and just terrified because it's mm-hmm. so close to happening you know and it could happen it was played so realistically mm-hmm. i, I want to say like when it comes to the the scene that got me the most from the show is when the house caved in and you saw the oh, swarm come out that yes was that was yes, great yeah oh man it was tough i loved that yeah no, so far, 2023 has been a really good year for horror. I, I mean, will say really good. one that I caught that it wasn't on my radar, and I don't think we talked about it on our episode, is uh, Husera, the Bone Woman. Mm. Uh, Mexican horror. Oh, my goodness. There is something that I can only describe as part bone-breaking and part mm-hmm. shunting that I'm going to call a bunting. And, and it's it's terrifying. And as someone that is very sensitive to people cracking their necks, Genius McGee. Sorry. There is so much creaking and cracking in that film. It's unsettling. And it's an interesting take on motherhood. Highly recommended if you can't check it out. Uh, Husera. Yeah. Husera. Husera. Wait, is, it, is it streaming right now? No um, time I, is a the, good time. It might be. It might be. I caught it theatrically, but yeah, definitely check it out. I think it's, it's going to shutter. It might. I probably would. It probably would. We actually just wrote it down yeah, so we can check, check it out. out Excellent. Sure. I mean, you're Excellent. talking about like horror. Like, what a golden age right now. Yes. Um, independent horror. Look at the end of 2022, beginning of 2023, with what Terrifier 2, Skinamarink, these movies that had micro budgets. I mean, Skinamarink was filmed on $15,000 Canadian. 
<laughs> and look what that movie brought in theatrically. Yeah. yeah. You know, like it just it's showing people that original horror, it doesn't matter if it's mainstream or if it was somebody filming in their childhood home, you know, like people are loving it and it's making you money. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And it, as a horror fan my whole life, I could I've never in my life felt this amount of pride in the horror community for what we've just done mm. for Terrifier 2 and Skinner Marine. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, These hell, movies I, that had next to zero, and I mean literally next to zero marketing budget. Making and millions. Right. I just hope, I just, I, I agree with you to an extent, Ken, where it's like, I do hope this trend continues, but I just don't, I hope that it doesn't turn into people saying, hey, I can make, really quick cash by making a horror movie mm. what happened that's in the 80s that's when we had yeah. the big boom of just yes it was a golden time but the cream rises to the cop we had to wade through a lot of dreck to get right. that good stuff so i hope yes they do keep out pouring quality horror films out yeah. key key uh thing well, we're, 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 you're obviously gonna always get you know your your not so good. Yeah. You know, you're going to get movies that take themselves seriously when they should it, Winnie the Pooh. But you are going to, um, you are, like you said, you're going to get those movies that know what they're doing. Yep. Mm-hmm. Um, some movies are very unsettling. They're very unnerving. You know, I'm looking at you, Skin and Marink. <laughs> There's other movies that are very bloody, very gory with top notch, amazing practical effects. I'm looking at you, Terrifier 2. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we're getting. <laughs> We're getting these movies that are completely different in the genre. You know, you're getting these completely different subgenres that are still nailing it in cinema, nailing it through streaming services. Because Skinner Rink was, you know, it, it was in the theater for a little bit and it made Buko Bucks and then it went right to Shutter mm-hmm. and it was slamming Shutter Records, you know, like mm-hmm. so you have these movies and people, like you just said, genius, people, the cream rises to the top. That's just that's just a fact. You can't argue with facts, but people know a good horror movie when they see it. Mm-hmm. And when the word of mouth starts to spread, that's what happens. This movie that gets a 25, you know, limited theatrical release turns into a 2,500 <laughs> because the people are out there spreading the word mm-hmm. and people are traveling 60 miles to well, go see we, Terrifier we 2. To travel. <laughs> right. So, you know, people are traveling 60 miles to go see these films and people are starting to smarten up going, well, why don't I bring that to my cinema? Right. Mm-hmm. You know, if people well, are traveling this far, the people in my town are going to come and see it. And one thing that's big with both of us and our show is it's the intent of the filmmakers. Yes. And yes. ideally, yeah. hopefully the intent is to make a good film rather than to make a, oh, we're going to make a Cash silly grab. film. Right. Because even if you make a silly film, if you make it with heart and yeah. you know you're making a silly film. Cocaine Bear. Cocaine yeah. Bear. That's, it, it, again, it's a... Cocaine Bear is beautiful because it's a big budget B movie and it yes. knew that that's what it wanted to be. And cool. that's exactly what we got. Look at the mean one. You know, there is a polar opposite between the mean one, which was the Grinch horror film and blood oh, and honey, yeah. the Winnie the Pooh, oh, yeah. you know, the mean one knew it was it, silly. Oh, yeah. It knew it, it was referencing the Grinch. And I it, think that's it, why people had fun with it. Exactly. Whereas with Winnie, Winnie the, the Pooh was trying people, to be Jason Voorhees with Winnie the Pooh. People, it just didn't it, land yeah, you, well. You can't try to do that and make it a real serious, gnarly film. It doesn't work. Right. Yeah. If you're making a horror film with Winnie the Pooh as your main villain, you need to know what you're doing. Yeah. You, know, you got to go in there lighthearted and campy. You can't try to make fun. an ultra horror film with Winnie the Pooh. Exactly. <laughs> like 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 the Banana Splits movie. It knew that it yeah. was stupid. It knew that w- it wanted Willy's to be Wonder goofy. Fan. 
Willy's Wonderland knew what it knew that it was going to be stupid and be funny, and so right. that's what they went for, you know. But you yeah. have movies that like, and filmmakers that either want to go in, I'm going to take myself way seriously, or they don't have the right horror intent, I right. should say, you know, because I don't think anybody goes out looking to make a shit movie. I yeah. hope not. Hope not. Hope not, yeah. at least. But like, I just think. It all comes down to intent, and it comes down mm -hmm. to your, I don't want to say your horror cred, but, like, I know that I want to make a campy, fun horror movie in the style of X, or I know I need to make a smart, uh, sophisticated, atmospheric movie in the style of Y, you know, as opposed to, like, Oh, a horror movie is just blood and guts and just people in a mask right. killing people, sure. you know? And I think that's maybe kind of, I don't want to say that might have been the intent for Blood and Honey, but like, there definitely wasn't heart. No. And you knew it. You, the, you know, you're, you're halfway through the movie and you're going, this is what they're trying to do now. Mm -hmm. You know, I was super, you guys know with our ranking, I was super stoked yeah. on this movie. Yeah. I was looking for the mean one. Yeah, I was looking fun. for the banana splits. I was looking for Willy's Wonderland. I was looking for something that was going to, I don't want to say like, give me nostalgia, yeah. but give me that feeling of being a child and having a real campy good time, but with Winnie the Pooh. Right. Mm -hmm. You know, like that's what I was hoping for, man. And maybe it's what our anticipation was versus what we got. Maybe that's why we were disappointed. But but you want to be I entertained at the end of the day. You know? Exactly. Exactly. Mm -hmm. That's why I go watch a film. Yeah, and I tell you, I don't know if it's uh, the fact that I have just been leaning into lowered expectations with a lot of things, but boy, don't get disappointed too often when you're just not expecting anything, you know. And I've gotten to the point, where, seriously, with my age, where if any little thing entertains me or makes me go, mm -hmm. "Hey, that's pretty rad," it was worth my time. Well, and the first you know? time yeah. little thing will make me say, "Oh, horse shit," you know. But at the same mm -hmm. time, I had a really, really good time with Scream, even going in with uh, baggage. my baggage of not really enjoying five and my baggage against jenna ortega and all that other stuff and i still mm -hmm. wound up like oh this is pretty good so expectations can be a weird fickle thing but again it's we preach it on the show all the time it's the intent you know well yeah you know what films are polarizing in 2023 but 20 years ago they were still pretty polarizing and we've been asking all of our guests uh, you know, where were we in 2003? Now, Genius, he was in a haze. Mm -hmm. I was uh, on my way up to, to Lawrence, Kansas. Ken and Ashley, where were you all in 2003? I was standing outside Ashley's window saying in two years, I'll be taking her out of that cradle. And <laughs> I was going to say, I didn't know you went in 2003. <laughs> yeah. no, I was... Uh... Yeah, it was a good year. No, I'm just <laughs> right. It was, it was two years before Ashley's life was ruined permanently. Um <laughs> I was actually just getting ready to meet Ashley in 2003. Oh. Um, Ashley and I became official in 2005. Mm -hmm. So we're almost at 20 years. Um, 2003, I was at 5101 Sand Creek Highway. I was uh, probably smoking a lot of pot, um, <laughs> playing music. And something I would do, that I don't tell this story very often. This is the first podcast I've ever told the story on, guys. So yes. this is 100% true. What I used to do is I would get super, super high and I'd lay on my bed with an acoustic guitar. Oh, gosh. And oh, I would watch movies, like horror movies, and I would try to write scores <laughs> along 
with what was happening super high. Like, I need to get it. And then he could never remember that. I need to get a recorder, man. I need to get a recorder and I need to record myself. This is epic. The part's me hitting a bunch of open notes. Now, the problem is what people at home aren't seeing or what we're seeing is when Ken's laying, laying on, on the, the bed. bed. <laughs> I would love to see, like, hopefully maybe it's like, wildly different that in your head what you're thinking and that you're playing like you're watching a Friday the 13th movie like it's getting hardcore intense and you're over there I would always make myself laugh every time I'd do it too because I would do stuff like that like it would get to like the darkest part of Jason Goes to Hell and I'd play the you know C A A sharp Mario do 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 <laughs> I'm, I'm sitting there doing that. It's you know, got a still. death curse. Dun, 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 dun. Good lord, good lord. The the picture has been painted in my mind now. Thank thank you, Ken. Now I'm sorry, a Ashley. What Ashley, what were you doing in 2003? Um, I so in 2003 I was 13, almost 14, um, and I was probably like in school. I don't know. I I I was glad that I didn't know that he did that because <laughs> we wouldn't be here now. Because yeah, we probably wouldn't be here now. No, staring um, at your Eminem posters. Yeah, like I guess horror movies was something that me and my friends always loved to do when mm -hmm. I was a kid. We would rent movies all the time. That's what we did on the weekends, and we were weird because of it back then. Yeah. But um, yeah, that's back then. Back then, yeah, it was a long time ago. So. No, I'm saying you're still weird. So weird yeah, it, no, I but am. now it's come full circle where it's actually yes. kind of cool now. Now yeah. Ashley's laying on the bed. It's, bow, it's, bow, it's, bow. Cool, but it's, it's funny, like not where I work and stuff, like people aren't into horror like me and they still think I'm weird. So it takes me back to those days when I was weird. They're like, oh, what's wrong with this girl? You can never escape it. It forever haunts you. It just, you know, I know. dominates your destiny from here. Oh, no. Oh no! I see him no. breaking out something. No, I'm not. Oh, I'm thank not. goodness! Oh, I thought he was gonna break out a, a blunt and a Gibson. <laughs> <laughs> this is what we're doing. <laughs> I love it. I love it. So, here in the round of the hateful eight, we have whittled it down to two films, and mm. I'm really anxious to see kind of what you all are thinking of these. We've got um, Marcus Nispel's The Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Going up against mm -hmm. Alexander Aja's High Tension. Which one of these <laughs> woo, dour films shall we talk first? Ashley is the high tension uh, expert here. Ah, I'm the I, Texas Chainsaw. So we will I start with high tension. I'm the expert. Ah, but obviously we'll an area of interest is there. So what is your relationship, Ashley, with high tension? So in high tension, um, real quick, time out. Okay, it's been twenty years. Can we give spoilers? Oh, oh yeah, yeah. we oh, yeah. we spoiled the shit yeah. out of it the last couple of episodes. So. <laughs> okay, okay. Um, so the house that that they go to, they live in, it really reminds me of my childhood. Like, like where I lived, I lived out like out in the boonies, no one around, like little you know road that you had to take. And so I feel like I put myself in that movie more and it, it, it scared the crap out of me when I watched it. Um, so yeah, like this old country time house and you have this, this killer on the loose and you know, that's just coming to your door and stabs your dad. And yeah, like I, the good old days, yeah, the good old days. <laughs> 
It reminded me of my childhood. <laughs> so, are showing up and stabbing my dad. <laughs> did you see yeah. this in the theater? I did not. No. 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 I I don't think anyone saw that. Well, I know. I, wait, you, I know you. I did. did. <laughs> But yeah. no, there is something about that sense of isolation. And I even yes. know there is, I think it's uh, the other one of the new French extremities. I think it's like I, inside mm-hmm. is the one with, with the, the pregnant. Farm, with the pregnant lady. Yeah. yeah. And there, mm-hmm. there is something just so terrifying about that from just being so vulnerable to everything. Yeah. That's unfreaking real. You know, there's real. no neighbor to run to, like, mm. you know, stuff like that. And you're, like she said, when you go down the road, like, it, people get stuck on this road because it's this little tiny, it's meant for tractors, not even for cars. So, yeah. So, so let me ask you this. When you first uh, saw this movie, there, the new French extremity really wasn't a thing yet, at least not mm-hmm. to right. for mass horror uh, connoisseurs. So when you saw this and you saw the like straight up brutality <laughs> of this movie, because this is a brutal mm-hmm. ass movie. Yeah. W- what did it make you feel? Did it, were you like, oh my god, or like, hell yeah? Oh, I was like, hell yeah! Like, I love brutality. I love gore. Like, bring it on! Like, yeah. that's that's me. But, yes. It's funny because people that you know, if you guys have listened to Sledgehammer mm-hmm. Horror, or if you know us at all, you know that Ashley is the gore whore of our yeah. relationship. I'm the Notebook where she's saw. I mean, you know I mean, I'm the love story guy, and she's like, yeah, tear the face off. Like, that's how this I, goes. I was in a hospital in an ER, and I see everything, and it yeah. gets my adrenaline going, and it's just, I'm I'm down for it. Feeding the gator, feeding the gator. Yeah. Feeding, yep. So, did it kind of make you want to like, oh shit, these French people are putting out some brutal ass shit. What else they got? Yes, yes, absolutely. And then we've actually we've covered Mar. We actually did a whole month, whole whole month of French extremity, French extremity, and it was it was a tough month because great. That's one of the (laughs) well for me, and I don't know if I'm maybe Aaron on the side of Ken there, but these are I have to be kind of in a mood. To watch yeah. one of the new yeah. French extremity films, yeah. uh, but high tension though to me is more gateway. It really kind of seems in, more in, accessible. Introductory to French extremity. As violent as the movie is, I a hundred percent agree with you. It's a violent movie, but when you're doing it by comparison yeah. to what you what else you get, it's it, like hocus focus. Yeah, <laughs> it, it, it really is in that genre. It is like when you're talking about. It's the difference between the gate and the exorcist yeah. when it comes to psychological horror. Yeah. You know, like it's, you know, you, you do get scary moments. And obviously in this movie, you do get very brutal moments, but it's nothing like, you know, inside or what was that other one? Um, Martyrs. Unbreak, not unbreak. Martyrs, Martyrs is yeah. a big one. Uh, irreversible. Ir- yeah, is that's oh, that's fucking like, way brutal. What and that's what's, what's crazy is some of these films, I really, I, I appreciate them. I respect mm-hmm. them, but a lot of like Gaspar Noe's work, I won't watch it a second time. Like I will not watch I Irreversible, Irreversible again. off at the scene. Yeah. yeah. When yeah. the scene happened in Irreversible, you guys know me. Sexual assault is the thing for me. That's my, yeah. you know, some people, their trigger is children's death. Some people, their trigger is animal death. Mm-hmm. You know, mine is sexual assault. And when you get that deep and that graphic, I'm out. Yeah. I can't do it. Yeah. And it's not nothing against the filmmakers. And I'm not saying you're a pervert or you're gross. If you can watch that stuff. Good for you. If somebody's making an art, maybe that's something sure. that you can look at and you can live vicariously more through. The sexual assault that they're looking for. It's more like the, re- the revenge. The re- exactly. Right. exactly. Like I can't like. get to the revenge yeah. because yeah. I'm stuck at the beginning part. So yeah. question then, because technically, since high tension is both Stephen King approved yeah. and animal, you know, trauma in that one, Ken, what's your relationship with this film? 
it's a film that I watched and I, I did enjoy. Um, I'm going to give it the Scream 6 treatment. You know, when we got to the third act, I was furious. Oh, yeah. I was fu- <laughs> I, I, yes, I yes. hadn't rewatched Literally. this movie until we had this conversation and Ashley and I sat down and rewatched both the films. Yeah. Um, and I remember, like, I remember going into it. I was like, you know, I remember the movie's good. I remember it's brutal. And I remember I hated the ending. That's the only things I could remember about the film. Because it had been 15, 16 years since mm-hmm. I didn't even see it. I didn't see it when it first came out. I seen it a couple years later. Um, and I think Ash and I rented it from like a family video or something. You know, we were just like, yeah, let's check this out, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, I, I didn't remember a lot about the movie. I'll be completely honest with you. I didn't. And I'm watching it again. And, I, you know, little things are hitting me. Little And funny enough, I think I confused this and Wolf Creek with each other. Or Cry Wolf, maybe. This and Wolf Creek or Cry Wolf, what the, did they do? The, the Strangler guy? No, yeah. the guy that, uh, you know, the Australian. Oh, guy. yeah, well, that's Wolf Creek. Creek. Yeah, yeah because they do yeah. sort of similar because they're both big, hulking, white, older white guys with a hat. I, I can 100% yeah. Yeah. see that. I think in my brain, and I think Wolf Creek came out in 05, 06, you know, right around, yeah. you know. We went from that yeah, we together. went to that in yeah. the theater. So uh-huh. <laughs> I kind of think I confused these two together in my brain. Like I morphed them together. Mm-hmm. And I'm watching it and I'm like, why didn't I like this movie? You know, we're watching. I'm like, wow, why didn't? And then we got to the, you know, and I'm like, oh, that's why, that's why I didn't fucking like this movie. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I know. And I. I, the ending just it does it it would have been so much it, scarier I think yes if it, it, it was yes. if it would have ended like that yes see I'm the exact opposite I loved the ending I thought it was such really? a good twist it was always like I'm like it pulled an American Psycho on me it's the unreliable <laughs> yeah. narrator what the fuck is real and not I dig this right. So like, uh, but I, see, I I hear a lot of people like the fucking ending ruined it, and I can see that because yeah. when you try to look at it logically, it doesn't make any fucking sense. It no. But when you're like, oh, it's it's American Psycho. He doesn't even know what's real and what's not. You know. Yeah. And upon this rewatch, in my mindset, and I'm seeing the clues, and well, I'm like, that's just it. This is great. When, I mean, it, it more reaffirmed my love for the ending. And that's what yeah. I was when I was rewatching it. I kind of had that same experience because I when I'm looking for those specific things where I like when the mom's dying and she's like her only word is why, and of course yeah. she's like why did you attack our family? And even like the logistics of the cars, I'm just like you know she's in some sort of automobile that's going down the road, whether it's the van, whether it's the cool muscle car, what have you. And either way, she's fucking nuts. So you know she's she's, she's a little nuts. But yeah, there's those little elements that I think. I think they probably purposely knew they were going to piss people off because it yeah. is an ending and a twist that you're going to talk about. And whether right. you, with the, the sledges or the junkheads, you know, <laughs> whether it enrages you or embraces you. It's going to get a reaction. That's just yeah. it. Yeah, for yeah. sure. It has a foreshadowing of her, too, like when she's sleeping in the car and she wakes up and says, yes. um, you know, I've seen it like a killer but it was myself or whatever she says yeah so like you get that foreshadowing too yeah they're, they're well, to me it's like th- there are movies where the ending is so good that it, you know people don't talk about like we talk about uh the sixth sense mm-hmm. you know the ending of mm-hmm. that film is so damn good it make, takes that people don't movie. talk yep. about the rest yeah. of the movie and so right. that ending pisses me off for that reason like that's such a great movie with great performances and all anybody ever talks about it at the yeah. end this is the opposite. I feel like this ending is so sour. In my again, my opinion. I'm right. not saying that you know. It just takes from it, it the takes scariness. away from how great the yeah. rest of the movie is, in my opinion. Like cause I, I'm one. I'm guilty of it. When people now, if I talk about this movie, I'll probably talk about how crap the ending was mm-hmm. to me, rather than how great the first two acts right. were to me. Right. That is 100 percent fair. Because like, 
I can see how the ending would piss oh. people off, you know? Yeah. And, and Cause someone, it's, it's not a, it's not a usual suspects ending where you're like, Oh, yeah. now everything makes sense. It's almost like, what, what the fuck? Okay, cool. Yeah, Bring more exactly, blood. That's exactly the reaction <laughs> yeah. that I had. And it's even rewatching it. I, I'm still, and it kind of like almost traumatized by the level of brutality in this film and just how casual yeah. it is with the violence and how the gore, it's so almost muted, like the blood. It's very mm-hmm. dark. It looks different than, say, like 70s Jallo blood or something. There's just something, maybe it's just cross, you know, transatlantic, you know. It looks more like like a deeper wound blood, yes. like vascular yes. blood. Yeah, and as yeah. someone that is a, as in the medical field, Ashley, is that something that is uh, true on that? Um, dark blood means it's unoxygenated. So these people don't have oxygen. Like they're not, uh, maybe they're not breathing enough. I don't know. But yeah. That's what Ashley were watching the film and she's like, okay, we need to get uh, these people bagged right away because their blood is way too dark. Make a believer out of me, high tension. Yeah. You know, I'm suspended in disbelief by stuff like, how could she be in two cars? Ashley's like, listen, she's not even tricked, right? The bag isn't even opening and closing. Her blood is so dark. This is bullshit. Did I yeah. say any of that right? So, so Dustin's okay. our power tool expert, and Ashley's now our blood expert. Damn right. Yes. Oh, God, yes. Yeah, oh, yeah. I'll tell you this, guys. I talked a minute ago about my love for music. One of the things that bothers me is when I'm watching a movie or a TV show, and I see somebody, and they're playing, and they're playing a guitar, and I'm like, that's not how you play that, you silly bastard. That's her with anything medical. Like, if we're watching a movie and they go into a hospital, I'm like, oh, this sucks. We're, we're, this is about to get ruined for me. You know? <laughs> okay. Because it's so inaccurate. I'm just like, like, oh, my goodness. Oh, oh, so that's how we do this now? So, so that's how we bag somebody? <laughs> they don't even have the tube going down their throat. This, this is, oh, you just put on a regular sea mask? Okay. Yeah, okay. I believe you. So then question. Aside from the human centipede, what's the most medically accurate movie you've seen then, Ashley? Besides the human <laughs> Yeah, that one's so up there. Um, oh, geez. Okay, so um, I don't know if you guys were a fan of The Walking Dead, um, but there was there was um, where she had to, to bag mask the... I'm trying to think of what season this was. I just remember that the bag masking in that one, I was like, oh, wow, that's pretty accurate. I was impressed. As, was they, impressed. Were, as yeah. they were doing it, I was doing the side-eye thing, like, like, are they doing okay? Is, is, is they're doing it right. Like, doing it right? rooting for them. Like, come on, guys. Yeah. Please, Please help me out. <laughs> <laughs> I want to have a good night. I don't want to hear it all night okay. long. Please, qu- please. Qu- please. I want to be sitting there eating dinner, looking down at my plate, hearing fucking bang. <laughs> have, you, have you watched Brea Grant's 12-hour shift? I don't think we... I don't, oh, I don't that, that is all set in a hospital. I'm, um, I'm curious and anxious to see. It's got... um. What's her bucket from May? Oh, uh, uh, Angela Bettis. Angela Pettis, uh, Bettis. Uh, mm-hmm. Mick Foley is in it. That it's the lady that did um, after After Midnight. Yeah. Yes. Oh, okay. Yes. Yes. The oh my god, After Midnight. After yes. Midnight was dope. Yeah. I really liked After oh, Midnight. I, I I wasn't expecting such a loving romantic rom com nice. situation drama. And then with the what dash of monster at the end. I am the love guy, man. Like I'm watching this movie. Like get her, buddy. You can do I'm it. I'm like, this is boring. Where's the blood? <laughs> Where's the monster? Somebody fake bag somebody, so at least that's something to bitch about. <laughs> uh, I want to see Ashley watch The Void. Oh, God. 
just staring at her the whole time. We need to plan an entire marathon of hospital, like hospital horror. horror. Ashley's over there watching Halloween 2, the OG. This is bullshit. First of all, no, you shouldn't be using those pools for that. They can't get that hot. I know. What's ah. that? <laughs> oh, boy. Well, I think we've got our next Nerdoween. we got to make sure we come down, you guys come down for that one. Oh, please. Oh, I'm, I'm down for it. I'm already marking it on the calendar. So uh, other thoughts on high tension before we head across the pond and head down to Texas. Okay, just the ending, though, where she, like, does the hug thing, that that cracks me up. I just have to say that, where she's in, you know, the room and she the shackled. doesn't think she can see her. And yeah, she does, like, the hug. Oh, I laugh. I think that's hilarious. <laughs> yeah. Actually, that that's a good way to end, though, after all that enraged, you know, frustration. Yeah. Is, oh, a giggle. Levity. I like that. Yes. I, yeah. I, I do want to say the performances are phenomenal. Oh, yeah. oh and then the sure. friend, I realized, she is the diva. In Fifth Element. She's Plava Laguna? Plava Laguna. Get the fuck out of town. She's Plava Laguna? Yes. <laughs> Damn. Right? I haven't seen that we much green. joy since I told my son that uh, we signed somebody, the linebacker to the Lions, genius. So thank you for giving me that <laughs> pure joy in my heart just now. Plava Laguna? Really? Plava Laguna is the shit. Right now. Between that and the, re- the realization of the girl in Meg... Uh, being her involvement in the loved ones. Right? Amazing. Yeah. Thank you, IMDb. Thank you, IMDb. Now, yeah. uh, again, going from something that kind of signaled a new wave from across the pond new wave. to something that signaled a new wave of remakes here in the States, uh, Marcus yeah. Nispel's The Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Uh, I'm going to throw out, since we started with Ashley with High Tension, Ken, tell us your relationship with this little remake. Hate love. Mm. Um now, I, give me just five seconds to explain that. When I saw this movie the first time, I despised it. Mm. I absolutely hated it. I was a cynical kid. Um, you know, oh, the, nothing's going to top the original. So I went in with every anticipation of not liking it. Mm-hmm. I looked to not like this film. And that's who I was at that time. I was I was cynical. I was an asshole. I feel like I defended it. You like, did. It, like, you a did. lot to you. And I um, feel like I got in there. I yeah. Like and, I, you know, <laughs> I went into it just, like, looking to pick it apart. And um, I di- I never rewatched it again until recently when we did our versus episode mm-hmm. on the OG and the uh, the remake, and I loved it. Yeah, uh, you know, there's so many things they did in this film. Uh, I love the establishing shot after the lady has shot herself in the van. Yes. And you get going yes. through yes. her head. Um, it's brutal when he's wearing um, his face. Yeah, oh, I love when that. he's wearing her boyfriend's face after he chops the girl outside the van, and, and Jessica Biel looks, and he he has. Um, Kepper, Kep- yeah, Kepper. Kep- Kep- yeah, and all the feathers flowing down. Oh my god! Yeah, so yes. the feathers, and you see his face. Brilliant, striking, absolute brilliance. And what this remake did is something that I preach all the time: take the bones of the mm-hmm. original movie and put your own skin around it. Hmm. You know, no pun intended, <laughs> um, or pun intended. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, you know, you, you want to make it your own. They created their own new characters. They created their own new atmosphere. They created their own new problems. Their own new solutions. Mm-hmm. And they did what you're supposed to do in a remake. And they, like I said, the, the characters that they brought in, uh, Sheriff Hoyt, obviously, is just so instrumental to what the success of that film is to me. Yes. Um, the little boy, you know, I think that he's, he's so creepy. Um, you actually, you have likable characters mm-hmm. with your kids. You know, a lot of times you don't get that. Um, and I'm, I'm going to say it. <laughs> 
I would have liked to have seen more Franklin in this one. I would have liked to have seen a Franklin character in this one. Okay. And like, that's one thing. And raspberries. Yeah. I could have done with some more raspberries in this film. But when it comes to remakes, I, you know, now that I'm older mm-hmm. and I'm more mature and I'm less drunk, I think that, um, you know, I can go into a movie. I, I'm the opposite now. I yeah. never, ever, ever go into a movie trying to dislike it. Yeah. I go into every single movie as a blessing and I want to find some type of enjoyment out of every single film I watch. And, you know, going back and rewatching this with a complete open mind, I very, I would put it in my top 10 horror remakes of all time. Mm -hmm. Um, That's how, how much I truly appreciate and respect what they were able to do with this film and still pay homage to the original, Mm -hmm. but not use it as a crutch. Right. Yeah. One thing about March Madness that I've noticed it's always good to see you grow as a horror fan as you were 20 years ago, you know, as opposed to 30 years ago, Mm -hmm. you know? I mean, I'm we're in totally different places. And just like Ken said, you know, when I first saw this movie, and I've gone on record on a few of the episodes and a few madness, when I first saw this movie in theater, I was trash and like, Mm. this is a pretty goddamn good movie. I don't know if I just wasn't ready for it Mm -hmm. then, uh, if it wasn't for me at the mm-hmm. time, but no, that's a great, great thing. Mm-hmm. You just, just like, oh, this movie's really good. I, I'm almost mad that I missed out on 20 years of enjoying yeah. this movie. And, and I just think that as a human being and as a father, you have to mm-hmm. learn to be able to understand that things change. Mm-hmm. Your opinion is going to change. The way that you feel is going to change. And it's not about breaking down who you were then but building up who you are now yeah. and the way that you've grown, the way you've matured. Um, and like I said, I, I genuinely go into everything now, not just film. I try to get an entertainment or an excitement out of every tiny thing I do in my life. Mm-hmm. After my mom passed away, like that was the moment for me that was like, enjoy every second, yep. no matter how glum it may be at the moment. Stop being so cynical. Yeah, stop being cynical. Listen to your wife. To your wife. Good. And as and a Detroit sports wife. fan, we know that can be tough, right? <laughs> Huh? As a Detroit sports fan, we know that can be tough too, right? Oh, he's gonna he's gonna t- turn it off right now, dude. Don't <laughs> angering the angering the guests is my job. <laughs> oh, there it is. Yes, yes. The Tigers are playing tonight. The Tigers are playing tonight. Never miss a game. Ken never misses a game. Yeah. See, that's why we love you all. So that's obviously, why he's so disappointed all the time. Yeah, that's why I was so cynical. <laughs> so we know that you're a fan of the remake, but like, I mean, I, I don't know. I'm. We say it all the time. If you're gonna make a remake, take the bones, but do some do your own spin. Yeah. So it is such a drastic 180 from the original because the. Mm-hmm. I'm not saying the one the original was slapdash, but it was definitely guerrilla filmmaking. There was definitely it was rough around the edges, and like we talked on this one, this one's slick polished and versus the og which was gritty and dry yeah. this one is wet and damp oh no yes. the, the, the og is nice and sweaty too it is sweaty but this, I, this one is wet one thing i will say is i Moist. feel like the remake is a slasher film yeah while the og is an art film you know in the remake yeah. they're going and looking for you they're gonna find you they're gonna get you they're gonna bring you to the house it wasn't like that in the OG. In the OG, it was literally a series of unfortunate events that led them there. Mm-hmm. They weren't pulled there. They weren't, you know, I mean, I guess you could say the hitchhiker guided them there. But, you know, they weren't forced in the house. They were, You know what I mean? Like, right. where in this one, it, they definitely embraced the slasher of mm-hmm. what the original Texas Chainsaw Massacre would come to create. 
where the original Texas Chainsaw Massacre is much more about the cinematography, much more about the unsettled feeling. The dinner table scene is one of the greatest scenes in cinema history. Yeah. Um, it's just, it, it is. You know, Marilyn Burns is just, that's, she's the original she's the scream queen. queen. Yeah. I think, yes. you know, Jamie Lee Curtis gets that credit. Dude, she's literally screaming at a dinner table in 102 degree weather. In very horrible so, conditions. Yes, very so horrible conditions. The meat, conditions. The like meat is meat. rotting in front of them. Yeah. Uh, Gunner has to get up and go puke because he's so hot in between takes. And she's just letting it out, man. So mm -hmm. Marilyn Burns, rest in peace. Yeah. Um, and all the shots, the close-up shots of her, her eyes, face, and, yeah. makes it so much more unsettling. She, she, to me, will always be the scream queen. Yeah. Uh, no disrespect to Jamie Lee. What Jamie Lee has done for this horror genre, to watch her win that Oscar yes. and her go, shut up, oh my God, like the excitement on her, like I've, I felt a pride I haven't felt, you know, for anybody that wasn't family mm -hmm. or, you know, my horror family in a very long time. And I, I, I genuinely was almost moved to tears by her just genuine reaction to winning that. Mm -hmm. So this is in no way a disrespect to her, yeah. but Mar I, I feel like Kanye right now, like, you know, I'm gonna let you Jamie Lee, but Marilyn Burns is scream queen. <laughs> You but are. you're right. You're 100% well, right. And so, Ken, you've kind of talked about your relationship with this one. Ashley, do you remember first kind of first time viewing this one? Actually, let me ask you this, because I saw the remake before I saw the OG in okay. terms of how I went to it. What was your journey with this one? Um, so I had seen the original first, um, and I went and seen it. I, I got to watch this one in theaters, and I... I did not go in it cynically. Like I went in it open mind and I loved it. And, mm -hmm. you know, like I said, I met him two years later and that was probably like one of the first conversations we had was how much he hated it. And I was like, why, you know, and a lot of the things that he brought up, you know, the met where he has his face on. And like I said, I really like gore. It's so much more gory than oh, the first yeah. one. Oh yeah. It's oh, dark. Argument. Yeah. It's, yeah. it's so much more darker um wet like you you say so yeah like i i thoroughly enjoyed it on my first watching like i i didn't um you know hate it because it wasn't the first one right see I, I, that that's a big point you just brought up i was being a purist about it i was like the first one isn't even bloody and that's what makes it so scary when they kill someone they show it off screen you know, like again yeah, you know looking for again, reasons was, to hate that it was back 70s like that's right. the kind of stuff that they did this is the 2000s they like, modernized it show this. in the best way and you have to because this is your audience now mm -hmm. and that's something we're going to get into about what 2003 you know we talk we'll, we'll get there yeah. you guys are the host. oh yeah no no and then even re-watching this one again uh the fact that it was shot by the same cinematographer of the og daniel pearl who technically mm -hmm shot like all, all of our of favorite music videos from mm -hmm. back in the day like that guy yeah. is responsible for so much goodness but that it looks so distinctly different from the og yes. that is just mm -hmm. such i think a testament to the talent but also like marcus nispel and his vision and he does slashers good he really does he does slashers he really does. Well. there's just something about how I don't want to say it looks flat because it's not, but it just, there's just something, there's just so much despair in it. It just does not look yeah. like the OG has some vibrancy in it, but this one is just dour. The OG was a Technicolor nightmare. Yeah, yeah. Because everything was bright and yeah. vivid. This yes. one has that. Face. This one's dark, shadowy. Filter, yeah. Uh -huh. There's just something like over the eerie, it. eerie, the eerie feeling that you get. Like there's something always, you know, lurking. Yeah, kind of no, feeling. absolutely. So, um, you talked a little bit about, you know, possibly how we can compare these two. So final thoughts on the Texas Chainsaw Massacre before we uh, start really getting to the good stuff here. 
like I said, I would I would genuinely put it in my top ten favorite horror remakes of mm-hmm. all time. So where does this land? Where does the remake land in the franchise chainsaw rankings for you? Third. Oh wow! Wow, that was fast. Okay, what's one and two? Is it one, one and two? It, no, <laughs> uh, oh, oh. not two. Not two. Oh, don't, oh. Get me start, don't get me started on me and Caroline Williams' feud. Oh, dear. oh no! Oh no! Uh, the first one would be my number one. Yeah. And you guys might laugh at me for this. I know a lot of people give me crap for this. Uh, the second newest one, Leatherface, oh, would be my second the favorite. The Dario one? Um, what's up? Is that the Dario one? Yeah, where, uh, no. Oh, no, no the, the prequel. Oh, Leatherface, yeah. Leatherface, the prequel yeah. where he's a boy. Yes. Yeah. Yes. The only problem I have with that movie is they didn't have Bud be the killer. That, that Bud should have been Leatherface. So the silly. twist was stupid. They, they tried that too movie hard. is so, dude, when they're curb stomping the girl on the uh, it's tree. It's very brutal. Yeah, so they have brutal. the diner shoot out when the sheriff walks up to the girl and she's like, how's your dead little girl? And he just shoots her right in the face. Like, oh, man, I mm-hmm. loved it. Again, same thing. I loved that movie up until the third act when we got the reveal that Bud wasn't Leatherface. To me, sometimes the the most common thing is the right thing to do. Mm-hmm. You know, the, the most obvious is the best. And having Bud be Leatherface would have been perfect. That could have been the perfect ending. Have the one cute kid that ended up being Leatherface, have him get shot by the sheriff and Bud just wandering off like, you know, like, would have been <laughs> so much more, oh, it would have made so much more sense. I really love the idea of a uh, Occam Horrors Razor, where, you know, the simplest idea is the right one, otherwise we'll just, yeah. you know, take your skin off. So, in the round of The Hateful Eight, we do have two bits of criteria to see which movie will go into the next round, and the first one, admittedly, it's a bit abstract, but we like to, you know, go to a higher level of learning here. So we're asking to def- to create like a uh, a definition or an aesthetic of what horror was like in 2003. And then based on that definition, which of the film fits a little bit better? So we are going to start with our guest, uh, Ashley and Ken. Define a way. Oh, um. I don't, it's like the movies from 2003 are like movies that are horrifying and like you want to look away, but you just, you can't look away. The gore, um, you know, we're re, we're bringing back these slashers. It's like the era of bringing back slashers. This is where the, the remake and the reboot, I feel really started to take off in the horror world because you get the Texas Chainsaw Massacre remake, which really started a huge thing. But you also get Freddy vs. Jason this year. Mm-hmm. So, you know, they, they were trying to capitalize on what the slashers were. And you get a lot, bunch of, like, the inbred family-type movies, like um, Dead Death, End and yeah. Wrong Turn, stuff like that. Yeah. I, you know, and so. I feel that um, since we're still getting the the horror reboots and remakes today, and Texas Chainsaw is really what started that era, Um I'm going to say that one's more relevant today still. Mm-hmm. But something I do want to say is the French extremity stuff that really started with high tension here. But not only that, but I think that 2003, we're going to remember this as the year that slashers were kind of on the downswing. Mm. But on the upswing for the next couple of years was the gore porn. Yeah. And like I think you can really attribute that yeah. to what high tension and Texas Chainsaw did in 2003. That's what started to kick off this, you know, gore porn mm-hmm. slash extra bloody, extra mm-hmm. gory stuff that would come. And 04, 05, 06. So it, it's a very tricky question because both of these movies are still relevant today for their own reasons. Mm-hmm. But because look at the success that Scream 6 just had at the time of recording. 
Um, which, you know, Freddy vs. Jason, Texas Chainsaw Massacre, these movies, without those, we may not be still getting these Scream films. Yeah. If these remakes, reboots, recalls weren't exploding because of what happened in 2003. So for that reason, I'm going to give the nod to Texas Chainsaw 03. Yeah. I mean, it was the, the the movie in the whole franchise that made the most money yeah. was mm-hmm. the remake. The, this, this remake made more money than any other movie in the whole franchise. Yes. Good okay. call. I didn't. Oh, no. So, Ken, your vote for the aesthetic is Texas Chainsaw. And Ashley, you too? Yeah. Yep. Perfect. Genius. What do you got? I'm going to have to kind of piggyback on that, saying it's the onion of the belt. But see, here's the hard part about the onion of the belt when it comes to 2003. Everything was about brutality. Everything Mm. was dour. Everything Mm. was dark. And everything was very slasheristic and mean, which you have in Texas Chainsaw and high tension mm-hmm. um and the and i'm the only reason why i'm going to say high uh, texas chainsaw over texas uh, over high tension in the aesthetic it's because it was more available to the masses mm-hmm. for mainstream more, yes. more mainstream uh high tension was only playing in one movie theater and i had to drive <laughs> to go get it high te- uh, texas chainsaw it's like Jessica Biel and the remake of Texas Chainsaw. It was all over the place. Huge yeah. advertising push, all that stuff. And I think that is more aesthetic. For And that's the only reason why it beats it versus high tension. And it's funny. I agree with all three of you when it comes down to this. But for me, the one thing, mm-hmm. just in terms of kind of what was going on in 2003, is that we're really starting to get more access to international horror and be that through the internet, which is starting to boom at that point. Uh, the fact that Freddy versus Jason is directed by a Hong Kong filmmaker. Uh, yeah. The Texas Chainsaw Massacre remake is directed by a German filmmaker. Uh, in South Korea, we had a tale of two sisters. Yes. Over in yes. Japan, Takashi Miike made probably four films. Oh, um, yeah, and one of them, speaking of video game adaptions, that's one thing I want to talk about. Takashi Miike, make it a Yakuza game. Oh, God. A Yakuza movie. I got to check it out. I got to see it. And in Australia, we got The Undead. So we've got so much international horror going on, and we've got more access to it because of the internet. For me, it's internationally known. So I'm voting for high tension when it comes to the aesthetic. But we're all 20 years older. We all experienced stuff back in 2003. So in 2043... 43, when we're on Sledgehammer Horror, when we're on Into the Mouth of March Madness. Via holograms. Which which of these two films are we still talking about 20 years later? I feel, I honestly feel like the the remake, the Mm -hmm. Texas Chainsaw Massacre remake. Well, because at that time, we'll probably get on like the seventh or eighth timeline (laughs) of it again. This is so, true, you know. Um, it'll be uh, there'll be another remake, you know. And I, I just feel like my answer for this is Texas Chainsaw, yeah. And it's not because of the film itself; it's because it's part of a franchise, yeah. And like I was just hinting at, you're probably going to be getting some type of recall remake, you know. And it, just now, we just had the Netflix one. I believe A24 is looking into buying the Texas Chainsaw Massacre oh, rights. We're no. getting the video game coming out this year. Um, I do not want to yeah. see Ari Aster's Texas Chainsaw Massacre. I will 
but that's i'm normally like i'm gonna hold my direction till i see a movie yeah. but like fari ash is like i'm gonna make texas chainsaw massacre and as he tilts his beret and throws his scarf i'm going to <laughs> shit a brick and burn the next fucking theater i see because like no no that is no you just put me in a bad mood with that news ken <laughs> well what i'm gonna say is you say that now okay i'm just saying you're saying that now yeah but you're probably going to be saying that again. <laughs> what you haven't heard yet is how he's going to make Tony Collette Leatherface. That's what you haven't heard. Oh no! Just I hope I hope the first person they kill is like that good for nothing fucking son that didn't do shit. And I hope Leatherface. <laughs> I hope I hope like one of the kills is like Franklin sticking his head out the window. Come to Texas, Sally. <laughs> Boom! And gets hit with a pole. That would be great. Yes. That would be great. Yes. I would. See, I would say. Okay, be there for it. I would say, okay, Ari Aster, well done. <laughs> but if it doesn't happen, he can eat the fattest of dicks. <laughs> well, it's, so the, that was the long answer. The short answer was because it's a franchise. I think we'll still be talking about Texas Chainsaw in twenty years, and I'll still be talking about me and Caroline just, Williams's beef. So yeah, that's um, never gonna die down. I just feel like. When we talk about remakes and things like that's one that gets brought up a lot. All the time. Like I yeah. feel like that is what we talk about. Besides that one, Child's Play, and the thing, yeah. I'll go Evil Dead on the remakes. But anyway, well, that's, yeah. that's 2013. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. That's true. Um, so what I think we're talking about 20 years later. While I agree, we, if we're talking about franchises. I don't think we'll be necessarily saying the remake when we're talking about the franchises. In 20 years, I think we'll be talking about high tension because that is truly the gateway to French extremity. And when you are talking about a gateway into a whole new subgenre, you have to start with the one that brought it to the masses. Mm -hmm. And high tension is the one. So whenever mm -hmm. anybody talks about the French new extremity, because there's a lot mm -hmm. of films in it, they will have to talk about high tension. And I'm yeah. going to piggyback on that as well because my vote is also going to go for high tension. And I think because of the fact that we do have the original Texas Chainsaw Massacre, we've got all the sequels, we've got the, the requels, we've got so many varieties of them that, and again, every single one of them is someone's favorite horror film, so they're always going to be talking about them. But because there are dissertations written about the new French extremity, the fact that people are still trying to figure out where did it come from? Why did it, you know, create that way? And you know the ending or people are still going to be talking about. Oh, it's still going to upset yeah. people. But you know what? It turns out it doesn't matter. Five to three, a really good fight. Leatherface is revving up his engine and taking <laughs> out some French people because for representing 2013. 2003. Sorry, 2003. Dog <laughs> Wheel Hunt, Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Making its way to the Frightful Four. I think that's not necessarily, that's, I think a lot of people had this one mm -hmm. representing 2003. But yeah. we could not have gotten there without the help of one, Ash, a sick Ashley who's pulling like yeah. Willis Reed. Going, this is like your Jordan flu game. <laughs> Or the, the stomach bug game, whatever we want to call it. Sincerely, yeah. I so appreciate seeing you guys, talking oh, with yeah. you guys. Like, this is, we don't do it enough as far as I'm concerned. No. no. But 
really don't. This is our pleasure, honestly. Well, no, and sincerely, uh, you know, continued success of the channel, everything you all doing from the the feature from from the filmmaking that is going on. I know with a lot of the behind the scenes stuff that you guys are collaborating with. Yeah, I love that. Again, you guys are doing it as a family, and there is something mm-hmm. so kind of pure and wonderful that I hope your kids can down the line watch a lot of this stuff like 20 yeah. years later and go, oh, my God, look at mom and dad. Like, what, like, what a bunch oh, of dorks. Yes, yes. Yeah, right now they think we're lame. Yeah, so let's hope maybe in a couple of years we'll, we'll, we'll be cool. Here, here's this. Here, We'll do something right now. Um, uh, uh, a Nightmare Junkhead exclusive. Ooh. Oh, no. Um, Ashley and I have officially signed on for a new film that we're going to be a part of. Um, it is a not a horror movie. It is a drama, 100% drama. Yeah. Um, and our 10 year old daughter and our three year old daughter have been written into the film. Hey, so awesome. we're going to have a scene in the film, um, that I, I pushed for when I read the script, I came up with an idea that was co- going right along and the people that are writing it absolutely adored it. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's, it's, it's a legit thing. This is not a, you know, a short film that we're doing in our backyard again. You know, we'll be traveling for it. And um, we read the script. We absolutely adored it. And it's something very different Mm -hmm. from what we're used to, which is a big reason why we wanted to be a part of it. No blood and guts. Yeah, no. But there is a there's a (laughs) lot of sadness in this film. Oh, no. Um, Oh, boy. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. So when you said that, I thought you're going to play him a song. That's why I was like, oh, no, No, we're we're very, very excited. So. (laughs) Um, Sledgehammer Nightmare Junkhead exclusive. Ashley and I have signed on for new roles. Nice. Um, and we are very, very excited for this one. Um, reading the script, I was crying at the end. Genuinely, oh. like, tears. Um, and I can't wait to bring this character to life. Uh, I know Ashley can't either. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, we, we wanted to share that with you guys. Yes. We're going to share it with you afterwards, but... Since you brought up the filmmaking stuff, we try yeah. not to do the back pat, but oh, um, that's fantastic. Yeah, you know, we we did. Yeah, we did just sign on for this. Yeah. So we're we're very stoked. And the way the, the scene that I, I asked them to to portray with our daughters, uh, I'll get a little more into that once we go off air. Um, but it, it's it's going to be pretty pretty epic, pretty that's, emotional. I love the fact that you are so keeping it within the family, man. That is just, and again, I think that's stuff they're going to look back on. And just just have such fond memories. That is so rad. That I, it's mm-hmm. you guys restore my faith in humanity. I really and I need that occasionally. <laughs> so that is appreciated. <laughs> now, what film from 2013 will be joining uh, Sleepaway Camp, Jason Goes to Hell, and the Texas Chainsaw Massacre and the Frightful Four? Ooh. Turns out you just have to wait a couple Ooh. of days until that happens. So until that time, this is Greg D. I'm Genius McGee, and we'll see you in your dreams. I'm still waiting for Ari Aster's Friday the Thirteenth. Yeah. <laughs>